You are watching Now You See TV. Sit back and enjoy the ride. And we are live with Now You See TV. I'm your host, Jake Grant, and we have an awesome show for you guys tonight. Um, it's going to be entitled Evangelism and a Walk of Love. Um, and we're joined once again by P.D. Vander Westhusen. I'm getting better at saying your name, P.D. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how are you doing tonight, P.D.? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm probably doing better than you are because right now, for those of you who don't know, P.D. is in South Africa. And uh, he was gracious enough to be willing to stay um, it will wake up at three in the morning to come on the show and, and share with us tonight. So thank you, PD, for being willing to jump on here. Um, APMs are our regular time for a lot of our shows. And, and, uh, and I really appreciate you just being willing to, cause that, that's a late hour for a lot of people. <laughs> no, it's cool, man. It's, it's, it's really a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm not really a morning person, but I'm so happy. Like, I think that God, God is giving me like real strength um, tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm really excited about what we're gonna be talking about i think it's it's so necessary and uh yeah it's gonna be awesome now guys tonight um the topic is evangelism and um after having pd on um in the last show he was talking about the walk of the bride and he shared a lot of testimonies about just his personal experiences and and just moving in the spirit of god and and doing the miraculous because whenever you step out on faith God is absolutely willing to work through you. And um, from PD's testimony, um, uh, he's, he's been walking in this. Um, and, and I was excited to have PD on because evangelism is something that a lot of people look at the Torah observant movement and, and people who are, are wanting to keep Torah. And they're like, well, you know, where's the gospel and where is the spreading out of the gospel in this movement? And, and it is there, you know, there are pe people who have a passion to share the word of God and to share the good news um, with people. And, and I really wanted to cover this topic because evangelism is something that um, hits close to home. I grew up as a missionary kid in the Philippines. Um, I, I lived in the Philippines and my parents were missionaries and they had a, a passion for evangelism and, and going and, and, and sharing to the brokenhearted um, the love of God, and they they dedicated their whole lives to it, and that's that's really my background. With you know, growing up, I was always around just really on fire people who were willing to go out into the the burrows and and the slums and just love people, and and that's a big aspect that PD is going to be talking tonight is how is love connected with evangelism. So, PD, welcome to Now You See TV, and and uh, and please go ahead and, and start to share with us about the importance of evangelism and how this relates to love. Mm. Yeah. So you know, uh, the the thing is, is I think I, I've been like I just I just kind of told you before we went on air, you know, as well. You know, I really think the Father is busy with a, a great outpouring of His Spirit, especially on the the Torah movement or the truth or the full Bible movement, you know, as some people like to call it. And so, you know this is the great commission you know and a lot of times we get so stuck in the knowledge and the the truth side of things and you know getting everything down keeping all the commandments so well but we forget the very thing that yeshua told us you know the, the, the instruction jesus told us right before he ascended um into heaven you know like that great commission of go out into the world preach the gospel to all the creation baptizing them you know and he gives us these impossible commandments in a way because he says go and heal the sick it's like Oh, well, that's kind of 
you know, you're leaving us with that one. That's a little bit, <laughs> that's a bit of a burden, you know, but, but not really because we've got the spirit, you know, and, uh, it's, and it's the most, and I want to submit to you as well. Like this is the most, this is, well, for me, this is the most exciting part. Well, one of the most exciting parts of the walk, you know, um, being able to, to walk in this thing, walk Yeshua out in real life to people in love because love and, ev and evangelism, evangelism is the exact same thing. And so when we do that, you know, the, the biggest thing that I noticed when I started, um, and, it, and I, I mean, I, it hasn't even been that long for me. You know, I was, a, I was very much, you know, Bible study, Bible study and getting in the Word and getting all that, which is incredibly important. But I missed that whole aspect of my life. And because of that, that was the number one thing that, that um, prevented me from walking in love towards anyone. Forget about evangelism. Just uh, I struggled to just walk Yeshua out on my daily walk without getting pride and self-righteousness and things like this. Because if you only have the truth and you don't walk in anything of the Spirit, then you're setting yourself up for that failure, actually. You know, and... The, it was it's quite supernatural you know when i started walking it out just started you know praying for people on my daily walk and random people that i meet and you know just ministering to their hearts you know like that taking bold steps and things like that and you know you get these moments in time where you look this stranger in the eye um and you just see the love of god flowing right into them right through you and and when you see that it's just i mean that changes you that really changes you and it's and that is where love comes from. You know, we, we don't have love because we give not love, you know. And, and so when you give love to people, and, and I'm talking about that action, not just the ooey-gooey, I'm saying things, but, but the, the action of, of love, then the Father pours that love into you. And because he pours it into you to give, it flows through you and you become love to people. You become love. And, and it makes the whole walk actually the whole purpose of what the whole thing we want to walk as Yeshua you make that whole picture so much easier in all aspects of life never mind just preaching the gospel you know so yeah it's a it's a very uh it's 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 an essential part of everyone's walk and I, and I, my heart cries out for for to see and I, and I and I think like I said we're at the brink of seeing an outpouring of this in um right across the world you know like I've said in the previous time I was with you guys you know this whole Outpouring of spirit and in truth and untruth, you know, where um, we're going to really walk in that full picture of Yeshua. So, yeah. I mean, really, our walk, um, at least um, for me in the past few years, and, and for a lot of people around the world who are coming out of denominations and, and they're, they're starting to realize that um, there's a deeper walk in scripture that God has for them, and they're learning a, a very intellectual faith they're seeing rationally that god doesn't change and that his commandments are still for today and that it's a blessing to walk out his word but at the same time it is so needed for us to also reach and and understand a spiritual aspect of our walk as believers because with an intellectual faith and being able to keep any commandments without love it's nothing and mm -hmm. uh and and somebody um told me once um that what is the currency of the kingdom, Jake? And I was like, well, um, I guess, first of all, what what kingdom are we talking about, right? <laughs> and uh, the currency of the kingdom of heaven is really the relationships we build with other people, that love that we're pouring into somebody and and the giving of ourselves for somebody else. 
and in the end, you know, when you get to, you know, sit, stand before the feet of the Messiah, the crowns that you throw down are, hey, this is where I walked as you did. I loved that person as you, and I'm going to throw this down at your feet because this was in your name. This was me loving this person in your name. And and that's something that often people lose sight of. Um, I know one of the churches of, of in Revelation, they say you lost sight of your first mm-hmm. love. And so, you know, why is it important, PD, for, for people who have first found this intellectual understanding of Scripture, they're starting to come out of Babylon, they're starting to come away from the traditions of men to still remember the first and most important thing, the love that the Messiah had first for us that we then can pour into other people's lives. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we all have that picture as well on, on maybe on judgment day or whatever, when we're standing in front of God and, you know, we think he's going to have this, this stone here with all the laws on it and he's going to look at the instructions and he's going to say, oh, well, you missed that one, you missed that one, you missed that one, you missed that one. But we forget that in the new covenant, the Father says, I'm writing my Torah, my law in your heart. Right. And so I want to submit to you, like he might just be opening, putting your heart up there and being like, so which of these instructions did you follow? And what I mean by that is your heart is going to be such a huge deal in this thing of, um, of that you do all these instructions in love, you know, because we've seen it, we see it so much in, in this whole thing that where people, they, they start keeping the instructions and, you know, like we've discussed, love is not abs- is, is absent and, uh, it's a, it's a huge issue. And, um, you know, and that's also that's also one of the main reasons that people don't want to hear us. I think a lot of people will be able to kind of um, get me when I say, when you come to this great, when you come to a great understanding of truth and you know whatever, the, whatever, you just get on fire in that case. You want to just tell everyone about like what you just learned, and you know sometimes we're a bit too excited, <laughs> and uh, you know a lot of times we hurt people as well by that because we're like, why can't you see this? You know. It's so obvious to me. Why don't you see this truth that I just discovered? And people want nothing to do with what we have to say. And usually the reason for that is, well, timing. And the other thing is, is we're not doing it in love. We're doing it for the wrong reason. We're doing it from that heart of I'm right and you're wrong. And I want to prove you that I'm right and you're wrong. And, and it's actually self-righteous and prideful. You know, Yeshua never did that. Jesus never did that. You know, to the, to the sinners or anyone, he didn't go to and, and, and be like, with the knowledge and just throw that into their face. He usually loved them first and he loved them into that place where they want to hear what they have to say. You know, obviously with the religious leaders, he, he was quite a bit more harsh than with the, the average guy. Um, but the point of the matter is, it's like, there's this, there's this, there is this tendency that we have where we shy away from the love aspect and it's because we just have the wrong intention. So the point is, is we need to really, before we even think about talking about the evangelism, you know, we need to be asking the question, what is our heart's intention? Why, are we, why do we want to tell this person about Yeshua or the instructions or the Father or anything? Well, why do we want to do it? Is it because we want to look better? Because if that's the case, you've already failed 100%. The spirit is not going to move. You might as well just keep quiet and you better actually keep quiet. Because if you if you speak from that place, you're actually going to hurt people, and you're going to speak from the enemy's heart, that fleshly, carnal, pride place, right, where he was kicked out because of that. And so, you know, that's so important to to just audit our heart, like just you know, I always ask myself this question, and and it, it starts becoming a, a, a lifestyle thing. I encourage everyone to do this: is 
you know, especially in the beginning, you know, when you're looking at someone, friend, family, stranger, whoever it is, you know, ask them that question, or I mean, ask yourself like, the question, you know, would I really lay my life down for this person? Right? Will I really die for this person? And that's a really hard one. You know, I made a video about that not so long ago, and I had a few people ask me actually, are you serious? <laughs> like, is, 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 do we really need to be, because that's a bit of a, a high, a high toll, you know, whatever. But that's exactly what Yeshua did for us. And, and we were, for all the sinners, the, the most wretched of wretched sinners he did that for. So walking as he walked, we need that heart of being in this. You, are you willing to get on a cross for this person you're ministering to? That's the question. And if not, because for whatever reason, then you, yeah, better to not even try. So, um, so you know, and a lot of, we don't have that heart a lot of times, and that's understandable. Um, in the beginning, I didn't have that heart. I can definitely tell you I did not have the love that I had, to, and I still i am not where I'm at. But the, the point is, is you, we need to start running off to that place and really begging at the Father's feet for that love. And the way that we also get this love is not by just asking the Father, because a lot of people also just, they would say, oh, I've been asking the Father for 10 years, and I'm still struggling to love people, if they're being honest with themselves. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is you're not going to start loving people un un unless you force yourself into that Shema action, that hear and obey action. The Father said, go out and do this, and, and you need to literally get out and do it. So you, you're there, your heart is in that place of, Lord, I, I want to love this person. Even if you don't feel like it, you want to, and you, you, uh, you go and you actually literally love on them in action. With, I mean, whatever that looks like, you know, doing things of kindness and or, you know, just praying for people from the Father's heart. And sooner or later, you're going, well, very soon, I just want to submit to you, and the first time you do that, you can experience the Father's love for that person right through you, and it will change you forever. Now, whenever we talk about loving people, and and of course, in a moment, guys, we're going to get into evangelism and what real evangelism is and, and the gospel, but why is loving somebody first and foremost able to make them more acceptable um, to the gospel? Why is it that you start with loving them that then allows them to hear what you have to say following? Yeah, well, I, I think it's. I think we can all kind of connect with with that. I mean, you're not really in the mood to listen to someone who doesn't, who you think has a wrong intention. I mean, people can smell pride from a mile away. People can smell anything like uh, different intentions. Even if we do it for, uh, you know, we want to do it to get you to our church, for example. A lot of people go out with that intention. We're just recruiting for our church instead of simply doing it because Jesus told us to. Because Yeshua said, "Go out and do it." So, um, you know, that, that's the thing. And so people, they, there's something, I mean, people, everyone, no matter who you are, if you're a believer or if, you're a, if you don't believe in God, whatever the case is, you know, love is something that you're going to just be like, oh, this is amazing. Why do you have this? Because the only thing that sets us apart from other uh, religions or whatever um, is love. You know, a lot of people could say, yeah, we have love. All religions say they have love. But but true love is what the gospel talks about, right? So um, that's really our secret weapon here. And and it's sad because we've kind of been wasting it or or we've kind of been, you know, it's not really top priority all the time. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it brings to mind the verse, you know, this is how they'll know you. 
by the love you have for one another. Mm. And really, are we thinking about that constantly? Like, am I loving so much that people around me who are not believers are looking at us like these people must be crazy because there's no reason I would love somebody like that or, you know, (laughs) and, and really that's, you know, it's just, it's really interesting that whenever you just share selfless, just love for somebody that it opens their ears and they want to hear you out. So um, moving on to the topic of what is evangelism? Um, and and kind of what you know what is the gospel because evangelism is is tied to the gospel. So PD, if you could dive into what really is evangelism and why is it a commandment for New Testament believers, um, and 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 how does it relate to sharing the gospel? Yeah, I think a lot of people have that. You know, when we I I don't like even though the word evangelism is a totally biblical and scriptural word, I don't like it just because people have such a wrong picture of what it is. You know, people, when we say evangelism, it's much the whole thing. Oh, that's for my pastor or that's for my the missionary or that's for whoever. And I'm not called into that. Those are things we hear a lot. And, you know, we miss the whole point. I mean, if, if, you, if you think that, then you, you're, you're not walking as Yeshua much probably because he's, he's called us to each and every one of us, no matter who you are, no matter what your calling or your giftings are. Even if you're a teacher and you feel like, no, I should be on the pulpit teaching, you still need to be evangelizing, you know, and and um, and so you know that that whole thing it needs to really become. I've spoken about this a lot, but it needs to become that whole part of your lifestyle twenty four seven. You need to easily breathe that thing, no matter where you go. There's never you can never be too tired for this, you know. You can never be in a bad mood for this, <laughs> and and it's it's and I, I want to. I just as a good. I think a good example is actually yesterday. I think. Um, I, I've actually the night before uh, last night I didn't actually sleep that well for whatever reason and and I, I woke up that day so tired and whatever and, and um, yesterday I get, need to get my times right because I don't know where I am now but yesterday um, I, I went to the grocery store you know and um, and I was feeling really tired so tired in fact that the lady the cashier lady who's checking me out she asked me are you okay I'm like yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really fine, you know, why? And she's like, oh, no, you look really, really tired. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what? When you, know, when you have Jesus, you know, you, you can look tired, but there's always such incredible joy, you know? And she's just like, who? <laughs> you know? And, and she, I don't think she heard me correctly because it's such a weird thing, I guess, to hear. And, and, I, and I said, no, you know, Jesus, you know? She's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm just, and I'm just like, and I'm checking out. There's people behind me in the line. You know, there's this pressure of you need to now hurry up. You know, kind of what. And it's a, and she's working. Don't mess with her right now. All these things, right, which are worldly things. And um, and I'm just like, you know what? Uh, and we, you know, I, I told that to her, and I'm like, yeah. So, hey, is there something I can pray for for you? You know? And she's like, immediately, she's just like, you know what? I'm having marriage issues. Like right there, like boom, you know, she opens up this huge thing to the stranger who me, you know, and tells me about this thing. And I'm just like, wow, can I pray for you? And she's, <laughs> she says, she looks around and she's like, um, I'm working now kind of thing. <laughs> and I lean over to her and I look her in the eyes and I just speak to her, you know, like as I would speak to her normally, you know, but I pray for her. 
you know, and I, and I look her in the eyes and I just say, Lord, I just thank you so much, Father. Lord, I just, I just come on peace over her entire body, over the situation, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, for freedom in, in, this, in this marriage thing, you know. And, you know, as I say this, this is incredible. She starts tearing up, you know. And I'm just like, wow. You know, and I didn't have a t time to, like, t talk 10 minutes, you know, of course. But she, and when I said amen, she's just like, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And, and a moment like that is something that can change someone's life. I mean, we don't hear all the stories because I'm never going to see her again most probably. But I want to submit to you that those are the moments that God uses. He really uses those moments to, to do miracles because now he can, if a miracle happens in her marriage, who is she going to give that credit to? Who is she going to give that glory to? It's going to go to the Father, the rightful place. And so, you know, but we need to start walking in that to give the Father that opportunity to manifest in those people's lives in that way and we can heal them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was a great, great testimony. Um, and, and you know, it's often in, in really like seemingly awkward situations that we don't know, you know, is this my opportunity to speak to somebody and is this the Holy Spirit leading me to say this word or that word to somebody that, that could change their life. And, and we double guess ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the process of, you know, thinking about, okay, is this the right time to be saying something? We often have that second guess. Um, and, and what do you have to offer to people who, you know, they might constantly have that problem of just second guessing themselves in a situation where, where God could step in and do something awesome, but then they think, is this just me, you know, saying, you know, to do this or, or is this God? All right. And I, and I think it's a, it's an excellent question, you know, and I think you, what you said, you said, you know, is this, is this, is this just me thinking or is this the right time? The point is you're not supposed to be thinking because <laughs> if you, if you think you're going to chicken out, you know? Um, so, you know, and that's the thing of, you know, Paul talks a lot about this in the scriptures of, walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit and all those things. And, and when we think that's actually the carnal mind, right? That's actually our flesh right there. So um, we shouldn't be thinking, we shouldn't be asking the question, is this the right time or, or all that? We should just go with it. And what I mean by that is um, when we walk in that mindset of, of just kind of, you know, when people say flowing with the spirit, they don't. That that is what it is, and it's and it's not irresponsible because it's not like I'm not um, being re responsible in my actions because you are you're there. You can make those decisions, but it's more of you're not going to pause and think of what you're doing. You're just going to go with it and make decisions as you go, and then that's where the spirit can actually lead you. Because if you stop and think about it, then you're going to give more authority to your flesh than the spirit, most likely, and you're going to actually just chicken out of that thing. The other thing is that the second phase of that is the timing. And the, the time is always now. You know, the, there's no time to waste. Yeshua is coming back. We don't have time to ask the question, is there, when is the time? I mean, it's, you know, wherever people are, whether it's in the most inappropriate, quote-unquote, places, workplaces, professional environments, um, whatever, that is that places where it actually needs to happen the most. <laughs> because we have this, we have this, uh, thought that's not of God, you know, that we're, oh, well, let me say it like this. We have this fear that is not of God where we're afraid that we might do something wrong and, and we might get in trouble or get someone in trouble, you know, and of course we should be, 
you know, we should be not mindful of, of that. Like, like with that cashier, I had to be mindful. I'm not going to take her hands and scream Jesus and in that shop and do things like that. You know, you're going to, you're going to be kind and patient and you're going to, you know, do it in a way that's, that's going to not get her in trouble, you know, but still you're not going to now say chicken out and say, Oh, well, rather I'm just going to walk away rather. Now, whenever we come up to these situations where we have an opportunity to speak something into somebody's life, how do we know how much to say and what to share with somebody? Um, because, you know, is the gospel a long message that's going to take, you know, 15 minutes? Or are we just called to just say that single prayer for somebody real quickly um, and tell them that it's in the name of Jesus and and that he's the one who will be able to step into their life. You know, how do we know how much that we should be divulging to these people? Because for a lot of people, you know, with all the information that they're coming in to realize, especially in the Torah observant mark, uh, it, it, like movement, yeah. there's just floodgates of information that people want to throw onto people. Um, and, and so, you know, what is the right measure to give to somebody who's just totally unaware of God and, 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 and that the Messiah could work in their life. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I want to start with like in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6, just as one verse. Um, Paul speaks, he says, uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was giving growth. And, and so he's saying like, oh, well, you know, I planted this, I planted a seed. Someone else came along, they watered. And, you know, and, there's the, and then he says, but God is the one who brings the increase. God is the one who comes and brings growth. You know, and it's like like when we do plant something in our garden, we have the seed, we plant it, we water it. But what makes it grow? It's not us that makes it grow. We we can't force it to grow. We can't, you know, it's it's actually totally out of our control. We just do our part of plant planting and watering that thing. So, you know, in that mindset, we you know we don't need to be giving them everything that they need right now in this instant. It can really be a process of. Like, for example, in that, that case I just talked about, that was, of course, either planting a seed or watering a seed. It was not the full picture. It was not, I didn't, you know, there's no time for that in that case. So that is okay, you know. And we need to be mindful of that. I've got another cool testimony about that to just illustrate this point well. Um, a year and a half ago, so quite a while ago, quite a, um, I was I was uh, ministering, I was walking in this mall, this shopping mall, you know, and... Um, quite late at night actually now I just went and I just went to walk through to just talk to some people about garden stuff and I came across these two teenagers uh probably high school and so on and um I just like stopped them and it's so funny they're kind of they weren't really keen on talking because it's late at night it's quite a little bit like it's they just came from the movies or something you know and um they're kind of like kind of I'm like hey how you guys doing and they just keep walking because <laughs> they're like kind of afraid of me or whatever this weird white guy like stopping them you know and um i'm just like hey, hey i just want to ask you guys something quick i'm, I'm not gonna and i'm like hey do you guys know do you know, guys know about jesus you know and they're like no 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 i'm like hey do any one of you have any pain and uh, the one guy is like and they stop for like five to ten seconds awkward moments but they look at each other and the one guy's like yeah i got pain like on my side here um and um i'm like Awesome, man. Can I just pray for you? I want to show you something amazing. And um, I actually think I didn't even say I'm going to pray for you. I just said I want to show you something amazing because I got the vibe. They're not believers. And um, 
and uh, he's like, okay, sure, sure. And I just, I didn't touch him because I know he was, a, he was not like, he was probably uncomfortable with me doing something like that. I didn't do anything like that. I just stood kind of, you know, and I just pointed to his side and I just said, Father, I just thank you right now, Lord. We co I command that pain to leave his side right now in the name of Yeshua. Father, thank you for no more pain. Amen. And uh, just quick prayer, just like that. And um, and I'm like, so test it out. Okay. And he's like, he t he's like, and he freaks out. He's like, no way. And he tells his friend, like, dude, the pain is not there anymore. And, uh, it, it, and he's just like, what? And he's and now I've got his attention. He was afraid. Now he's like, how did you do that? He's a teenager. He's young. He's interested. Um, you know, and I just and I just managed stood there for ten minutes and told him about Jesus. And still, after that, I mean, in ten minutes, it's not enough time. Obviously, you know, it's 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 hard. So, you know, and um and I, and they're actually saying they don't believe at all. They're they're um atheists. Their parents are atheists. So it's hard, and they're teenagers. They're still under their parent, you know. Um, so um, I, I said, hey, guys, can I just pray for you right before I leave? And I just prayed for them, and, and, I, and one of my prayer was this, and I think the Father just put this in my heart, and I just said, Father, I just pray that you would bring these people, these kids, a, a, like a, a fellowship or a discipleship or something, someone who can now basically water them like we've been talking. And and it was so incredible, you know, when uh, I said goodbye, I walked off, and I was still ministering in that mall a little bit, and and as they've been, they went, they went out, they exited, and all that. And about ten minutes later, I also left, and the exit that I went out is the same one they did, same direction. And and uh, as I as I left that exit, there was this there was this church there actually giving out flyers and everything right there at that entrance about and proclaiming like very boldly proclaiming Jesus and preaching and everything like that. And I was when I saw that I was like, no way! Like these kids walked right past these people. And so it shows it just shows you how the Holy Spirit is the one who's in charge of this thing. He's the one who will do this. We just need to give our part, you know, and he will bring the full picture together for this thing to happen. Awesome. <laughs> That's why I love having PD on, guys, because his testimonies are just amazing. And, you know, with any testimony, in a way, it's prophetic because, you know, this stuff can be happening in your life as well. You know, it just takes stepping out and, and, and just a little bit of faith and just believing in God to move mightily. And, uh, and so, you know, PD, with the topic of the gospel, and we're always told, you know, the gospel needs to go out to the entire world, to the four corners of the world. Now, really, you know, what is the gospel that is being shared? You know, what is the, the good news of the kingdom um, that, that needs to go out? Um, can you kind of dive into, you know, what is the gospel and what is this message that everyone needs to hear um, and, and that that need, people need to be drawn to and, and to, to be able to be exposed to? Mm. So, you know, um, before I actually dive into that, I just want to say for all the listeners, you know, um, I just got, I think the father just dropped this in my spirit and I just want to give him like all the glory for all the testimonies I'm sharing and I'm going to be sharing. Like this is all him and it's not none of me. Right, so I just want to put that out there. Um, the 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 thing with the gospel thing is, and and I think it's this is a, it's also it's a great question, you know. And I, the, the the it's a big issue actually because we also have a lot of people who who are walking in like um, in love and they're walking in evangelism. They're walking what we've been talking about out quite well, except for one thing, is they don't preach the hard message that comes after the good message. So what I mean by that is. 
repentance. You know, it's. Um, I just want to make another another testimony coming at you, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you know, I was. Um, this happened about two weeks ago or so. You know, I was a uh, uh, at a on the streets. We were kind of just uh, uh, on an outreach and stuff with a few friends, and and there was this um, this restaurant there, and and uh, this restaurant was closed already, and um, it's kind of they just closed about six, fifteen minutes ago. So there's still people cleaning up inside, but. But we walk past there, and I just see this restaurant, and and again, I'm, I didn't think a thing. Okay, I, I was just like seeing. I was just like, I wonder if there's someone in there. There's a few people in there. Oh, there's probably someone in there who God wants to minister to. And I was just like, didn't think about it. Just went. Now, and and I awkwardly kind of just knocked on the door, and the the lady, she's just like, no, you know, we're closed. What is going on? And I'm like, just just open up, you know. And um, she opens up, and I'm just like. Um, Hey, you know, uh, I just feel like there's someone in here who who uh, God has something for. So it's just like something like that. And she, her eyes go big, and she's like, "Okay." And she opens the door, and uh, <laughs> I think she was a Christian, so it was awesome. And she opens the door, and and everyone, there's like four waiters standing at the entrance, kind of like looking at me like this crazy guy. What is he doing? And uh, you know, I'm just like. Hey guys, so I just want to ask you. Um, so I want to ask you: Is there someone here who's got any pain? physical, emotional, anything like that. Um, and, and as I'm speaking, I'm just speaking, anything like that. Maybe someone's got back pain. You know, I didn't think, just speaking again, Don't just not thinking about it, just going with it. And um, this lady, everyone pauses again, that awkward moment for like 10 seconds or so. <laughs> and they look at each other and then the lady is like, yeah, I've got back pain actually. And I'm just like, awesome, can I just, can I just pray for you? You know, and she's like, sure, okay. And um, again, you know, first I ask her to bend down and she's got pain when she bends down. And um, I'm like, all right, awesome. And I just put my hand on her back. Father, I thank you for no more pain. All pain, get out now. Bend down right again. Like, and then really this quick, I'm not, um, this is exactly how it went. And bend down again, you know, and she bends down and all her pain leaves immediately. And she's like, no way, you know, and she's just like so excited about this. And all her friends, three friends or so, they stand there. They're just like blown away as well. The one that she's like, or the one who got healed, she's like, just, and she runs to the kitchen, gets her friend who's got like a, a, a knee problem, pray for her, just walk up to the kitchen, take her hand, pray for her knee, thank you, Father, no more pain, get out, knee be restored, amen. Same thing happened, she's like, no way, and she, it is amazing, she runs up and down the kitchen, like praising Jesus, like that's literally what is happening there, and um Anyway, so now I've got some people's attention, all right? Well, God has their attention. Glory to God. And 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 then all eyes are, well, I mean, they're like, or their eyes are like on you, you know? And the next thing I do is I say something that they don't want to hear. First, God showed them the kindness, the love of you. They don't deserve this. They're, they're sinners. I could see they're lukewarm. I could see they're not, they're not sold out for God. And, and um, the next thing I tell them is I say, so guys, listen up. And with a very serious tone, I tell them, listen up, you guys need to repent from your sins. You need to turn to God. There's no more playing around. He's coming back. And if you're not ready, you're not going to make it. You're right. Something like, you know, a hard message. And all of them went quiet and all of them were like, you know, oops, you know, but there's this, I could see their hearts were being pierced, you know, and, and that part of it is really important. So repentance and then um, also telling people to get baptized telling people to get discipled, telling people they need to get connected, they need to start running off to God in all areas of that. So, um, and, and again, I'm 
baptism incredibly important. We should always be preaching baptism as well. I was actually um, to ask you that next is, you know, often when we look in scripture, the process of baptism is very closely followed, um, following the, the gospel being given and people's hearts being pierced. Yeah. So um, before you carry on, maybe you could just dive into that. And, and, and what is the importance of baptism and, and why is it so needed um, uh, after somebody's heard the gospel and they've, they've decided to make that decision to turn their life around for God? Yeah. Again, so it's going to depend on where that person's at and where you're at in the process, you know, of their walk with, of their walk with God. You know, everyone's at a different place. Not everyone's going to be like, I want to get baptized right now. Um, but, but you need to always give them that option and preach that thing to them so they can have this the thing of saying yes. Let them understand what baptism is. You know, in other words, you know, you're dying with Christ. The old man dies. You get resurrected with him. When you come out of that water, you become a new man. And baptism is absolutely the, uh, the tool given by God. I mean, the, the, we've, God kind of had this, I don't want to say had this issue, but he had this, we have this dilemma where we've got sinners, people who are in their flesh, so divorced from God, it's crazy. Supernatural power is required to get them out of that place. And baptism is the tool that God gave us. And it's not just symbolic. It's not just a pretty um, initiation to a church, which is, you know, we've watered it down to that, which is, which is not a good thing, you know. It's, there's real power behind baptism. Like, like I'm talking about if we go and baptize someone with the understanding that th- this is going to change them and the belief that it will, there is, we see people being changed forever. And so, you know, a lot of times in the churches, we see people being baptized three months after they've been saying, I want to be baptized because they need to wait for the next baptism service or whatever the case is. You know, that's irresponsible in my, in my opinion. Um, people need to get baptized like we see in scripture, you know, with, with um, Philip and the eunuch. You know, he's like, the, the eunuch just heard the gospel, just heard it. And, and, um, and he's like, I want to get baptized. And Philip's like, cool, where's the, where can we find water? And, and he's actually, the eunuch actually said, is there some, you know, he was like, can we do this? You know, even though it, I think the, the environment wasn't really probably not ideal a lot of people, they're like, I want to get baptized in the river. I want to get baptized in this place. But, but you know, just get some water and do it, you know. D- don't worry too much about the environment or how it happens or how romantic it is, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, uh, just the, the, the point is just, you know, we need to do it, like, right after. Um, as soon as someone desire, expresses that desire. And, um, yeah, so that's really important for, for baptism. Now, with the process of baptism, I know there's a lot of traditions that we've had handed down to us, um, and uh, and like for example, um, baptism saying "I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit," without saying Jesus yeah. at all. Um, so, you know, with the process of baptism, you know, what is you know what is walking out a scriptural baptism um, that you've studied out, PD? Right. So, you know, um, there's a lot of debate over, over, is it Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Is it just the name of Jesus or Yeshua? What, what, what do we say? What is the, the ritual, if I could say it that way, or the, the formula, you know, or whatever you want to call it? You know, in the same way, um, uh, the, the, the big question, I guess, is, is um, how do people get baptized? Is it, is it by the words they say? Is it by the faith that they have? How are we saved? Are we are we saved by 
the mere profession? Are we saved by the faith? What are we saved by as well? So, of course, it's, you know, it is that profession uh, that we, but the profession is just the fruit of having the faith already. So we see that the root of everything is this whole saved by grace through faith in Messiah. And and so faith is really the 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 the, the, the key of that. So before I get to that, you know, the, the other thing is, is people need to, when they get baptized, they need to have that understanding of what is under is happening. You know, a lot of there's so many people who get baptized but they don't understand. They have never repented. They don't understand what baptism is. They don't have faith really. They're just doing it because their friends push them into it. I want to submit to you a lot of times those baptisms have no real fruits because there's not faith in it. So you know it's so important for, for us to tell people the faith. Well, make sure they understand repentance, are repenting, and doing all that as well beforehand. Now with the faith thing is. Um, you know what I've I've found, and and I'm not I'm talking about fruit and experience now, is because of the whole faith thing. I've seen people get baptized in Father, Son, Holy Spirit way, and I've seen them getting baptized in simply in G, into Jesus or into Yeshua, and you know it's the same thing. But the the one thing that matters is is the faith that they have in Messiah in Yeshua. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or just Yeshua, you know, um, in the same way, let me make an example, another example. Um, if I pray for healing, a lot of times, depending on who I'm praying for, I won't say, I won't say Jesus the first time I'm praying. First, I'm going to, well, let's say, for example, I'll say, um, when, I, when I come to someone, I'm going to say, can I just show you something? Or because a lot of times people are very closed if they hear you, you're mentioning the name Jesus, because... We've got a lot of bad connotations sometimes with that, unfortunately. And so, you know, um, that the, the thing is, is, so I would a lot of times just say, Father, I thank you. I command this to be restored right now in the name of Jesus. Or I would just say, Father, I thank you for all pain to leave now. And I won't say in the name of Jesus necessarily even. And one day, once they get healed or once they start asking more, I'm like, so this is, a, this is who it is who's done it. Because now they're, they're, their attention is on it, you know. And of course, at some point, you always need to say it's Jesus, it's Yeshua. Okay. The the point is just that um, I don't need to say in the name of Jesus at the end of my prayer to see the power of God move. It's not necessary. Um, in baptism, I would, you know, I would advise people to to do to do uh, in the name of Jesus at least, or in the name of Yeshua at least. Um, you know, but I would also say, do not go and, and persecute those who say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I think that this is one of those matters that the enemy is actually using to cause disunity in the body. If someone is getting baptized. Why don't we just rejoice in that? You know, why do we why do we go about these little? It's not about the words or the the, the formula, or it's about the the, the the foundation. Do we have faith and and all that and those things? Okay. Well said, PD. Um, and now following, you know, the process of baptism, you know, then, then what um, needs to be told to people who are just, you know, just coming out of the water pretty much. Mm. So, you know, um, discipleship, <laughs> people really need discipleship. So um, whether that is, you know, again, it w- depends on where, what the, every case is different, you know, and so. You can be watering, you can be planting a seed, wherever you are in the process. Usually, you know, sometimes I've been at churches where the pastor actually told, asked me or some, or our group to, um, to come and, and baptize because they don't know how, you know. And, and, and so 
that's an honor and that's amazing. And in those cases, obviously, I'm not going to be the ones probably not going to be the one discipling the people that I've baptized there. And that's also okay. We also read Paul saying, um, oh, I, Paul writing this later, I think, to the Corinthians. Yeah, and he says, I heard this thing where you're saying, I was baptized into this guy and you were baptized into this guy. And, you know, I was baptized into Paul. And, you know, and I actually think one of the reasons that Jesus didn't really baptize is because of that, where people would be saying that thing like, oh, I was baptized into this guy or that guy, you know, and that's a, that's also, you know, not. So the point is, is um, uh, you know, discipleship is essential. Okay. That's the first thing. Um, people need to be held accountable. They need to be checked that they are, they are actually repenting. They're in continuous repentance, getting free from all those things. They're in a, in a weekly fellowship at least. And um, yeah, you know, so that it's, it's pretty simple, but you know, that's kind of the, the, the crutch of the matter where people, they need to be at. I mean, I, I baptized one of my friends um, a, a, probably a month or two ago now, and she's been joining our fellowship and walking very closely with me as well. And, you know, and the fruit that comes from that is, is just incredible. We can't just leave people in the deep end, of course, with after that. Okay. And, um, you know, for those who are hearing this and, and they feel convicted to want to start walking this out, to want to start being willing to pray for somebody, being willing to, to ask the Father to heal someone right there in front of you, um, you know, where do they start? Where is where can they begin taking those steps? Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's pretty simple, um, but there are challenges to it. Obviously, of course, that's why not all of us are just walking in it as, as easily. So the, the simple thing of it is to, I always tell people to, to do this is go out and make a commitment or challenge yourself. And I actually want to challenge everyone who's listening right now, you know, go out and, Make a commitment to every single day of your life. Well, yeah, every single day of your life to go and um, and uh, pray for at least one person every single day. And this person, I'm not talking about a friend or someone you know. I'm talking about a stranger. Okay, and that's a that's a, that's a more difficult one. But see, when you do that, you're you're in the beginning. It might be more difficult, and you're going to have a lot of fear. And all those things, but you're every after the first time you're gonna see, hey, that wasn't that bad, you know, because we have a real false perception of how things will go or how to walk it, how to walk it out, and and all that, which is alright. But the fact of the matter is, we need to really start. This is a thing. I think Father was on purpose when he didn't give us step one, two, three on how to do this, and that is because he want he wants us to um, learn from the Spirit on how. And that is what faith is. Faith is trusting the Father that He is going to be the one who's back, getting me back. He's going to be with me. He's going to guide me and, and teach me this thing. So you can't expect to grow muscles if you never go to the gym or exercise. And in the same way, you can't expect to grow spiritual muscles if you never go and pray for people. And that's why I'm saying go out every single day and, and do at least one. You know, and it's not hard. You don't need to go and make, I mean, go, you're going to different places every single day. You know, even if it's a colleague and a friend, that's also great. But, you know, you're going to grocery stores, you're going to all kinds of places, like I mentioned that other testimony, and you can very easily just, just drop a hint and do small things in the beginning at least. And, and, um, and then just kind of build on that and grow on that until you start being more bold and things like that. I want to I read something that Paul said, which has really caught my attention in terms of fear. 
So 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, I'm just going to read two, two or three verses here. Um, Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. So he's saying, I'm, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not a, I don't know how to do this, actually, is what he's saying. I don't know. This is above my pay grade kind of thing. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I know. That's all I'm coming to you with. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. All right. That's crazy. Okay. And then he goes on. He says, and my speech and my message was not with plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay. So we see this thing where he's saying, I actually came to you in, in, in great fear and trembling. This is, we're talking about this, this Paul, this great man of God who did all these great things and he's got fear. So it's okay to feel you're not qualified. It's okay to feel you don't have, everything sorted out in your life or that you're perfect. It's okay to feel um, all that. And, and so I think that the key just there is to, 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 to pinpoint and understand I've got fear. Okay. It's a reality. And, and, but Paul didn't let fear stop him from coming to them. That's the key. He didn't stop it from stop him from preaching it. And how he said, not in plausible words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit. So he had some. He had more trust and faith in the spirit than fear. He he his his faith um, stepped on the fear, and he's just like I have fear right now, but I'm going to go anyway. So you know that's the biggest challenge people have, and for that you're never going to. You, if you're going to wait until the fear dissipates, you're going to wait forever. I still have fear a lot of times, okay, but the key is is what are you going to do with that fear? Because the enemy is going to put that on you. He's going to use it against you. But what would you do with that? Right? That's the question. Now, inevitably, um, there's going to be people who are not so accepting of the message. Um, and tribulation, trial, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe you can speak a bit to the topic of whenever things don't go quite as planned. Um, and if somebody comes and, and really adamantly rejects whatever you're presenting to them or you know is is you know violent mm. towards you or or whatever um, maybe you can speak to this topic and and kind of what people can expect and and how you have dealt with it in the past right so it's a good it's an important question i want to say first that i've prayed for a lot of people and and it has been, I can pinpoint one or two times out of many people where something like that actually happened. And the re, and I think the reason for that is that because of the approach, if you're doing it from a great place of kindness and love, usually you won't find that. Usually you will find people, even if they reject the, the message, they will reject it in, in a kind manner at least, usually. Okay. Um, so I want also, so I want to kind of just squish that fear a little bit amongst most people where it, it can happen, but it's first of all, very rare. And, but now in the cases that it does happen, okay. Um, you need, we need to recognize, I think firstly, that the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's about against greater principalities and higher powers of darkness. And with that, 
I mean, if you really believe that, it, it's not as, as daunting anymore. I, I've, you know, the cases where that has happened to me, it is, I believe it, I think all the cases I can pinpoint, it's always been with someone who I can see as demon-possessed or has very much a great demonic influence on them. Where, because it's really only a demon that responds in that manner to kindness and love. Okay, that's, that's a thing. So people don't do that. You can go to the most... You mean you can go to any anyone, believer or unbeliever. If you're very kind to them, they're going to be kind back. People, if you turn the other cheek, people are going to be like, "Whoa," you know, and they're going to. So, um, but now in the cases that it happens, you know, uh, it's it's so it's about recognizing this is the enemy, recognizing this is this is probably a, a demon that is manifesting in this person in anger or in whatever way, and so in that way, just. Just being like, okay, I understand, I understand what's going on. I'm not gonna now fear and freak out over this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn the other cheek. If they do something to me, if they speak badly against me or against the father, or I'm not gonna go and um, and speak badly back. I'm not gonna go and start getting in, a, in an argument like a huge. If you look at what Yeshua did, he he um, when the Pharisees, for example, approached him, or or people who are really like heading up against him he didn't get into huge half an hour debates with them okay he he had he had responses but it was kind of these you could see spirit filled quick responses and he won't he's not spending hours upon hours upon hours with people okay not with people who's got the wrong who are coming with whose hearts are not right or ready for this thing yet so of course we can spend hours and hours and hours with the right people but if this person is not a person of peace, what I like to call him, in other words, someone who you could see their heart is open to this thing, you know, and when we when you go and you go, especially to strangers and people like that, you need to be looking for that person of peace, a person who is, you could see he, in his eyes, you'll see it. There's, there's this eagerness, there's this hunger, curiosity, um, all these things. And those are the people you want to be spending your time on. You don't want to be watering rocks. Okay, you don't want to be spending hours upon hours watering a rock and you could have spent that time actually with someone who is who you're supposed to be because the enemy uses these people a lot of times to distract us from the people that God has um, has planned or appointed for us to meet in that on that day or whatever the case is. So we need to also be mindful not to because the enemy done, does that. You'll see that the demonic, they, it comes and presents these people that I'm talking about to you and... It, it sometimes happens, okay, and and so and they want to just argue and all these things, and you know, don't 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 be distracted by that, okay. Just tell them, oh brother, I love you, God loves you. Give them that thing, and don't spend too much time on them, and walk away and go to the next person, all right? So that's how I would go about it. So um, with this kind of topic of casting out demons of course mark sixteen seventeen says these signs will accompany those who believe in my name will they cast out demons and they'll speak in new tongues um so when is it appropriate to pursue casting out a demon in somebody are you waiting for somebody first to respond to the gospel those who were hungry those who were um, responsive, and then you seek to cast out the demons that are in their life, and and how do you go about that, and and what have experiences have you had with with doing this mm. in in your life? 
Mm. Right. Yeah. That, that first question is very important. I think, um, you know, when do we do it? Um, I think it's, you know, the ideal situation is really the people who are, have an, because just because someone has a demonic influence on them doesn't mean they're going to be hard towards the gospel. Okay. It's not always like that. And, and, um, actually a lot of times, most of the times I would say it's not even people see even through that demonic influence a lot most of the time they see that in you and they're like, there's something about this guy. You know, there's something about, especially when they look into your eyes and the spirit is in you, there's this, wow, some, their, their soul is kind of crying out a lot of times. And so those people who are open, and that's the ideal case, is because you, you don't want to cast out demons out of people who are not in a, in a place where they're ready to be um, kind of filled with the spirit and kind of running after God and stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. It's, it's really something that we need to pray for discernment for on when to do it. Um, because obviously Yeshua gives us that, that thing of, you know, a demon is cast out, goes into dry places, for, seeking for a place to rest or a place to inhabit. And if he doesn't get a final place, he comes back to the home and he brings seven times, seven more demons with him if the home is swept clean. So swept clean means it's clean. There's, there's, there, it's not being inhabited by the Spirit of God. And there, so there's no repentance taking place in that home and that person um, and any of that. So that's quite important. Um, but, you know, you really, we just really need to pray. I'll just, I'll just encourage people to pray for great, um, because we do have in, in the scriptures, we have both cases. We have, we have Yeshua casting out demons out of people who, who, who all kinds of people, you know, just like all kinds of people all, who are all over the place in their walk with God. So it's just discernment, you know, and just and just believing that the Father will will lead us in that, trusting Him in that, and and in the moment asking the Father what what now, what should I do now, now or later, or what's the case. But I, I would not encourage leaving people who are who are demonically oppressed, you know, just leaving them to be. I I, I don't think that's good at all. Um, those people need us; they really need us. So um, I've got an example. Um, I mean, got a few examples, but uh, you know the, the the thing with that is. So I'll just give you this 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 um, story. We were once on the streets and just just um, praying for people, and there was a it was one night actually, and this this girl actually I have this on my YouTube. We actually filmed this, and this girl she she only had a headache. Like she she's like receptive to us. She's like, oh yeah, you can pray for me. I've got like a a headache, and it's. And you can see she looks a bit confused, right? A little bit, um, her mind is just a bit mixed up kind of thing. And she's with her friend and, and uh, we just pray for a headache. Just, I just pray for a headache, Father, I just thank you. Lord, we just, uh, I would pray, oh, come on, this pain to leave and whatever. And she's like, and she says, no, it didn't leave. I prayed once, nothing happened. She's like, no, it's still, still headache. She's like, oh, cool, let's pray again. Like usual, always. Hey, cool, let's just pray again, you know? And, um, and uh, pray again. And she's like, and she has like a, uh, she does like this, like, just like, whew, you know, wow. She does like that kind of thing. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. I just feel like not well, you know? And, and I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just pray again. Or like always, this is a usual case. Just pray always more than once. If something, if it's not leaving yet, pain is not leaving yet. Pray again. And the third time, um, she starts crying, like tears, like start just pouring out like crazy. And, and she starts having these, you, you got, I'm sure most people have seen it, kind of these 
um, jolts of the head and just these manifestations in their body and, and so on, which is not a, it shouldn't be a scary thing to us. It's really nothing to be afraid of. And, you know, um, and I, then I started realizing, well, we're dealing with something, there's something behind this now. And, and I started praying for her headache again, but this time I just started, I just, I started commanding, um, the spirit of infirmity to leave. And, and so just with that, it doesn't really matter what you call this the demon or whatever. It's just about kind of recognizing there is a demon. And, and I just started, I just started saying, Hey, I command you right now in the name of Yeshua, get out. Like with great authority, I command you get out, not asking it to leave, telling it to leave. And, um, you know, it's just that thing where we need to just be like, whoa, I am a son of the living God, man. God lives in me with all his might. There's nothing to be afraid of here. You know, a lot of people are afraid of the demonic. Why? Because that's exactly what they want. Because if you're afraid of them, you're not going to leave them alone. You know, I want to submit to you that they are terrified, absolutely terrified of someone who's not terrified of them. As simple as that. Someone who's not terrified of them and who is a believer, who's got the spirit in them, then they just, they just, they're terrified. I'm t- that's why the girl started crying because that, that spirit started manifesting in tears through her. That spirit was like, oh no, I'm about to leave now. I don't want to go kind of thing. Like that's literally why people cry. And, um, and so, you know, um, pray for her, um, start praying ongoing, like, and, and she just started having more kind of manifestations kind of, um, like that and nothing too, nothing too crazy, you know, just, and, um, she's like crying, crying, crying. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, and sooner or later, about five minutes later, the, she suddenly just gets really, um, really quiet. And she's just like, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> and she's kind of there and she's just like, wow, what is going on? And obviously we just ministered to her about what happened and all that. And, um, you know, so that was quite crazy for her and her friend. Her friend was just like, what just happened? You know, and there were actually people walking by, stopping and watching this, like, what is going on? There's one guy who asked, is she okay? I'm like, what are you guys doing with her? <laughs> you know, and uh, we just explained, hey, you know, it's, 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 it's God and, and well. So, you know, and so the way we pray in Cast of Demons, is, it's just um, about kind of ongoingly, speaking to it as if it is a, a almost a person all right like a, a, a it's got an ident like an identity so you would say i command you to get out in the name of yeshua get out now all of you go in the name of yeshua father i thank you and and just continuously doing that and you know re- repeating that prayer is all right you know um but the key is is to to do it and with great authority behind your words not not like you know you, you just need authority. So, yeah. Would you please leave if, if you feel like it, just you know, whenever you have time, maybe. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, PD, I wanted to read through, um, Matthew 10, uh, partial part of Matthew 10, which is kind of like the, the proof text of when Yeshua sent out the apostles and he told them, you know, what they should do as they went out to evangelize. And I would like you to, after I read through it, to, to comment on the different aspects of this kind of guideline to evangelism. So right. Matthew ten five, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse leopards, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And as you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let the peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. When you go to leave the house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable in the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Persecute, uh, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents, and will have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So, you know, this being kind of the proof text, um, Matthew 10, you know, of Yeshua sending out the apostles, teaching them the baby steps, if you could say that, of evangelism, you know, could you walk us through kind of these guidelines and, and really, you know, what is Yeshua saying to them about the process of evangelism? Mm. Yeah, no, and I think the, 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 the latter end of that scripture is, is very important as well, where he says, you know, he, he warns and he says, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. And he, he goes on and he actually says, you know, people are going to deliver you up unto death even, you know. And, he, and so, again, going back to what we talked about in the way beginning, if people are going to de- deliver you over to death, are you willing to die for those people? See, that's the thing. Are you willing to, because if you're not willing to die for this thing and ultimately die for them because, because you, are, you are proclaiming thing, this thing because of this heart of you want to see people come to repent. And so if they actually, if it push comes to shove and you end up being delivered over to death, are you willing to do that? And we need to really, I think, audit our hearts and ask the Father to give us that heart and that, that boldness to do it. Um, we also then obviously see how God tells them to do all these things, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without paying. Well, yeah, that last part, we, we could really speak about a lot as well. You know, it's, Yeshua, Jesus never made a line and said, okay, guys, give me one shekel for a headache and two shekels for blindness. No, you know, so... We need to also really, if you're in this thing for yourself, if you're in this thing to, for any other reason, even to build a ministry, I want to submit to you, your heart is far from right. And, um, and uh, I want to submit to you, like, you're going to actually stand in front of the Father one day, and He's going he's gonna to really judge you for that if, if your heart is in that self-righteous um, place where you want to receive things for this. Even the praises of men. Um, and that's a hard thing as well. We need to really, especially when we start walking in that thing, and we start seeing someone get healed through us. I mean, the, the, the people fell down before the apostles' feet and wanted to worship them. 
And so we, need, we really need to make sure that um, our heart is in the right place, not to uh, accept any of that worship or, or, or do this for the wrong reason. Our reason, I, I praise God that, um, you know, this is just His grace and glory. Like, um, before I even did anything ministry-related, I started walking in this. And I didn't do it for a ministry. And, and that's so gracious and amazing. Like, I'm so happy um, because it, it can be really a place of danger. Um, so we they also they see the Father in Matthew 10, verse 20. See, for it's not you who speak, but the Father of the... Um, I mean, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So... You know, again, and it's that it's that trust thing. You know, he says, do not be anxious, right? And not only when you get delivered up before judges, but in, in all cases of persecution or, you know, we've had cases, um, we've ministered in a place, I remember last year or this year, I think, um, very, 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 very place you don't go, a place where the police don't go here in Africa. It's a very much a drug den and a, kind of places, you know, and, you know, we had people coming up to us. I mean, they're carrying guns in their hands, kind of that's about that atmosphere. And, um, you know, in that place, that was a really tasting place for us. I remember because it was this thing, again, do not be anxious. You know, it's father who speaks to you. They, they came up to us in cases and be like, what are you guys doing here? Kind of like, this is our place. What are you doing here? And really aggressively, you know, and, and uh, I remember, like, it was so, the father was so gracious. There were, I remember this one kind of leader guy came up to me in that place, and he was just like, you know, get out of here. It's not your place. And I just started speaking with, like, real, I just had this real kindness that the father allowed to flow through me and, and real gentleness. And immediately that guy was just like, just came down like that, you know. And, uh, and so just as a quick example, things like that, we need to just really trust the father that he's going to put the words in our mouth on what to say when. And um, not freak out, not respond the same way that people respond to us, you know. Um, right, so, yeah, there is um, there's a few other things, I guess, uh, we could speak about. But I, I guess it just comes down to um, this, is a com- this, is a, this is a commandment. It's, it's crazy. Like, you know, it's a, just as much as we keep Sabbath or just as much as we do any other commandment of the Father, just as much as we... Don't murder so don't murder people and, and and not gossip and all that is those instructions, these are just as important. And so not following this is actually disobedience in the father's eyes. And I know that's a hard one. Um, but that should be an encouragement to really drive us to 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 seek this thing. And it's okay. Look, um, I think again it's about look, just as any instruction that we keep from the father, it's about uh the, it's, it's not about doing it perfectly necessarily because the father is there to pick us up with his grace when we fall and he's there to teach us along the way. You know, when I, when I started doing a lot of the instructions and in, in the Bible, I was just, I had no idea what to do. I didn't know how, but the fall, and we make a lot of mistakes along the way, but that's so okay. You know, the father is, is so just wants us to try and make our bed, you know, and, and, uh, instead of not just being like, I'm never going to even try. I'm not, I'm not even going to, go there, you know? So I want to just encourage everyone who's listening today, you know, to, if you don't see this, if you're not healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, causing our demons, I haven't raised the dead yet, guys. Um, uh, about two weeks ago, my one friend went to a hospital to a mortuary, the father put it on his heart. There's a baby that he heard about that died. He went to the mortuary, he went to pray for that baby to be raised. 
So uh, that's like, wow, that's crazy. You know, imagine walking into a hospital and that nurse um, hears this thing of, hey, I want to raise, I want to raise someone in here in this place. You know, the testimony alone in that. Anyway, so it's about doing our part, and the father will will bring. Well, it's the father's responsibility then to to bring the power and the fruit and the increase. Awesome. Now uh, I'm looking in the chat and uh, we're starting to get some questions um, and uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break guys. And I'm going to, if for those of you who are watching on YouTube right now, um, this is going to be an opportunity for you to jump over on nowyoucetv.org and uh, click the live show link there and you can join the Now You See TV fellowship chat. Um, I'm not sure uh, if I have any moderators over in the YouTube chat who can get um, uh, questions for the YouTube. So if you want to ask any questions to PD, um, please jump over. Now you see TV.org, click the live link and you can jump in that chat down at the bottom of the page and I'll get your questions asked here, uh, later in the show. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to uh, play a, a little video. Um, PD, you can go to the restroom, use, uh, get a drink of water. I'm going to get a drink myself and, uh, and we'll be back in a moment guys. So, uh, here we go. Hey, I'm Jake Grant with NYC TV, and I want to tell you about nystv.org. For the price of a Starbucks coffee, once a month, you can get exclusive content, access to hundreds of videos. It has our exclusive documentaries. It has content from creators that we brought on board, and you can help support them by joining nystv.org. We want to compete with Netflix, Hulu, and tons of others. You can't beat the deal. The Dark Covenant documentary series, Book of Enoch, Creation Club with Michael Mize, you can't beat it. Exclusive content, don't miss it, nystv.org. Help us as we grow by joining nystv.org. You're going to really enjoy what you find there. Check it out. All right. And it turns out that Kevin Stoll is actually over in the YouTube chat moderating. So thank you, Kevin. Um, love you. <laughs> Man, we really appreciate you taking care of that madhouse over there sometimes. Um, so those of you who are over in uh, YouTube, address your questions to Kevin and uh, and we'll get those questions over here for PD. Um, right now, it looks like we have a couple people jumping into the uh, the fellowship chat and I'm, I'm getting these questions copied over. Um, so as soon as PD jumps back on, we'll go ahead and ask those. Um, and uh, right now, as we speak, I wanted to let you guys know that John Pounders is driving north to Michigan, um, and he's going to get a testimony from uh, from uh, Greg, uh, which uh, is one of our listeners. And I'm really excited because the Exodus Road um, 
testimonies are always awesome. Uh, we've only done a couple so far, but um, I really think it's an important thing um, that we can start putting out more of these Exodus Road testimonies because um, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And, uh, and you guys have heard, you know, some of PD's testimonies and, and God has moved mightily in so many of our lives. And it just takes you stepping up and sharing what he's done for you. Um, that can really give somebody else the, the faith to be like, wow, if, if God's delivered this person from drugs and from immorality and, and whatever, he can do it for me too. Um, and so, uh, John's going up there right now to, to get, um, that testimony and, and, uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing, um, hearing that. Um, but anyways, uh, we're joined again by PD. Thank you uh, for coming back, PD. <laughs> um, and, uh, we, we've got several questions kind of lining up in the chat right now. A lot of people are really curious about this topic because it is so important. Um, and, and we see it in scripture and yet a lot of us, you know, how do we walk in it and how do we really grow our faith to the point where we can step out on that ledge and, and be willing to just trust in God with everything and, and just give them our mouth. You know, you look at that, um, the, the verses we were just uh, addressing before we took that quick break and, and he's like, don't even worry about what you're going to say because I'll give you the words to speak. And I think that's really exciting to me. Um, and, uh, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump into the first question up here. And uh, the first question is this, PD. Um, there are so many opinions as to what exactly is the good news. What is the good news in Matthew 10 if Jesus had not died and rose again yet? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I think that the Father the father obviously planned this thing. And, and so I think that Yeshua is obviously a, definitely a huge part of that good news. And what he's done for us. Um, the, 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 um, after the after it did happen, after he did die and rise again, the disciples went into all the streets and proclaimed that message. But with that as well, of course, um, obedience to what Yeshua um, taught, and which is obviously the Torah and the prophets. He he directed his disciples to to follow it and all that, and the Father's instructions. And so, you know, that is, that's a huge part of the, the gospel message of, of telling people you need to repent, but now what to repent from as well, because <laughs> you can't just tell people to repent, but they're like, okay, well, you know, what is that? So, um, you know, but, but with that, you know, like in the book of Acts and Acts 15, we see that when they kind of like, what should we be doing with these pagans or these Gentiles who are coming in, you know, what should we be teaching them? And so they give their list a few essentials, you know, sexual immorality and abstaining from blood and things like that, which the which the pagans in those days were practicing, and um, and so there those are kind of essentials listed, and and those were not the only things to be obedient to, of course, because it only lists like I think four or so instructions, and um, but but we should always be starting with the basics. If someone is sleeping with his girlfriend and he comes and and, uh, and he comes to the Messiah. That's the first thing we're going to be addressed. If he's addicted to drugs, we're going to address that thing. We're not going to be walking up to someone and be like, why are you not keeping the Sabbath? Okay. We first want to deal with the, the big issues and then we're going to be instructing him in righteousness and the rest of the things as well. So that is the good news. The good news is that he did come and he, 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 uh, he laid his life down for, for us and all that. And that has to be part of the, 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 the love message, the love message. But, um, 
with that as well, of course, we need to be preaching these, to these people and teaching everything that he preached and told his disciples to do as well um, in terms of obedience to the Father's instructions. So I hope that answers the question. Yes. And uh, our next question is coming in from Alec Thunder, and he asks, why is there more miracles that occur in third world countries than there are in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K.? Like instant healing and deliverance from demons, is it because we lack faith? Well, I can tell you it's not about the geographic location. I can tell you that. Um, it is, you know, the, the thing is, I would also question that statement a little bit. I think, I think um, it's, I understand totally why he's saying that. Um, it, it makes, it, 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 I think it seems like it a lot of times. But I want to submit to you that it's about who you know and the circles you're in. I know I have a lot of friends in the U.S. who do walk in exactly the kind of stuff that I, I have seen. And, and it's, it's, it's very prevalent there as well. Um, but, and it's, you know, here I think people might have a misconception. It's not as prevalent as it may sound like it the way I'm speaking. But it's also something that that's, God is doing the same thing there as he's doing here. It, it looks very much the same. We do have a more of a, I think, a, a focus on, I know like with Reinhard Bonnke's crusades and things like that there is a bigger focus i think on these things on uh, saving africa but i think it's because um it's because of the people and people being obedient to the call or not you know of, or, as well it is i don't think it's uh, i want to tell all the brothers and sisters listening i don't think it's because you lack faith i think it's just it's more because of fear i think that you've got everything you need to go out and do this thing um it's uh the the, the bigger question is how eager are you to and how desperate are you to proclaim this message to your to, to the stranger or to the brother you know um here people are very desperate for the message um and i think people there are desperate too i just don't think they know it um so you know with that so i think you know i don't think i don't i think this i don't think we should be using i'm not saying people are but i think sometimes people do sometimes people use excuses to say Oh, that's just God's just doing that in Africa. That's a movement in Africa. No, no, this is something God wants to do all over. We just need to be obedient to it. And um, and I think there is a lot of miracles that happen in the U.S. Like really, um, I know, I know people and. Okay, and Ali Shibia asks, Ephesians four speaks of the many members of the body of the Messiah, and how it's meant for some to be teachers, some preachers, some evangelists, etc. To PD. Clearly, your gifts are for healing, prayers, deliverance, and evangelism. But would you say that everyone should be going out and approaching people the way you are led to do? Uh, people, people. That's a, this is a good question. You know, um, thanks so much for asking it. Uh, people get shocked a lot of times, but I actually don't think my calling and my main gifting is evangelism. I really don't. I don't think that. Even though I, I do go out uh, quite often and do that. I have brothers in Christ who, who part of our ministry as well, um, who I can see has got a much bigger anointing and calling for evangelism that I do. I actually see myself more as a teacher than anything else. So I love to teach on evangelism and all that. And obviously you need to walk out what you teach. But, uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's right. It's correct. You know, um, there's people who are called to be teachers, evangelists, etc. But if you're not called to be a teacher, does that mean you're not allowed to teach the word ever? Of course not. I mean, you still need to be teaching the word on a constant basis to um, not, in, not in the same uh, capacity as a pastor or 
someone who's a, a leader of a congregation, but you will need to be te teaching it to the, the, the guy who comes to you and asks, what is this hope within you? Why do you follow this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? So, and you can apply that to all of the, the all of the offices there. Um, while your main, it may not be your main focus or main calling, you need to be touching on them and all of them in your life um, in at least some capacity. And so I know, like I know, some of you might be like, "No, you are totally an evangelist," <laughs> but um, you know, I, I really, I really, I really think um, that this is just a normal thing. I don't think this is supposed to be the weird thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, when we look at just as a quick example, when we look at what Yeshua did, obviously the disciples of Yeshua of Jesus was they had different offices kind of as well. They weren't all the same thing. They had different callings and they split up and went to different places. And but all yet all of them did do this thing. All of them went and made disciples. So when we're called ourselves disciples of, of of Christ, we need to also be making disciples because that's the Great Commission. A great commission isn't for a certain office. Um, somebody explained to me once um, kind of about the, the five offices, um, and they used kind of like this explanation with their hand. Um, and they were like this. They were walking through the different, you know, evangelist, prophet, teacher, uh, apostle, and, and they explained it this way. Um, uh, for the, uh, this is not biblical. This is just something somebody used as an illustration, by the way. <laughs> um, and, uh, for the, the pointer finger, you have the prophet, you know, the prophets going around pointing at people, Hey, you know, repent because that's the role of a prophet. Hey, you know, you're in sin, repent. Cause this is what's going to happen. So you point your finger. All right. And then you have the, the long reaching middle finger which would be the role of the evangelists. They're the ones that go out and they share the news. They're the farthest reaching. They're the ones that, that go around sharing that, that gospel. Um, and then you have the, the ring finger, um, which would be like the pastor. Um, and oftentimes the ring, the reason this is the ring finger is because people say there's a vein that goes to your heart and, and the pastor's role is to minister to the body of believers and to um, be looking towards building up the body that's around them. And then of course you have the pinky, um, I broke this pinky, so don't pay attention to it. So, <laughs> it's a uh, it's the sand. <laughs> Anyways, um, so you got the pinky, which is the teacher, and the teacher is you know it's a role that um, uh, really you know helps build up the body and, and it reveals. And so um, you often see that people in the pastoral role are next to teaching. That means. Oftentimes people are pastoral or often, you know, they're teachers. Um, the pastor is also sometimes an evangelist. Um, and then evangelism is often next to the role of prophet because the evangelist role is often very prophetic. You're going out there, you're telling people first the good news, and then you're also telling them to repent, which is the role of a prophet. And then, of course, you have the last digit, which is the role of the apostle, um, and the thumb, which is the only uh, finger that touches all five, uh, all the other four fingers. And that's really what the role of the apostle is, is to go and start churches, to build up all of these four roles so that the body of Christ can exist and grow in the various places that churches are planted. And so the role of a, an apostle is to really go and, and be that person to build up both the evangelist, the, the prophet, the teacher, the preacher. Um, mm. and, and so that was how the five, the five roles were explained to me. Um, but people have roles and mm. 
they are maybe led to be in one of these digits, but they anybody can operate in these gifts and you're not stuck in it. You know, we're all called to be, you know, ministers of the gospel. You know, we're all called to call people to repentance. We're all called to teach the word of God, you know, and, and there's no limit to, you know, operating in these different areas. But that was a, a an interesting illustration somebody um gave me once that maybe will help somebody out there kind of understand these different roles. Um, okay, enough of me. <laughs> Back to another one of these questions. Um, we have, uh, what is wrong, uh, or what are the wrong ways to evangelize or share the gospel? What are the, <laughs> what are the, like, what's a bad way to go about doing this? Uh, yeah, well, as we discussed in the first uh, section, segment, I think is, you know, going so with the wrong heart if you don't love, if you don't, uh, if you're doing it for yourself or because you're self-righteous or anything like that, you will be preaching it in the wrong way and you'll actually be probably causing more destruction than anything else. One of the biggest reasons that evangelism is as hard as it is today is because of people who've been doing it wrong. Um, because people have got a misconception about who God is um, because of lukewarmness. Um, and what I mean by lukewarmness is hypocrisy and things like that. So, we need to, to, to have the actual love that we're proclaiming. If we go in with banners into the street, telling people to repent, but we don't have the love that we are talking, that we're proclaiming, what is, what are you, what are we doing? You know? So unfortunately, I mean, I've seen that a lot. I mean, we see that so much, I'm sure in the, in the U S it happens a lot too. And so, you know, that is the most important thing. So I think if you align your heart right, then you're set up for um, winning <laughs> if your heart is right. And if it's not right, you're set up for causing destruction. So, you know, there, and from that place, you can't, like I said, you can't really go wrong. The tactics, like we, we can talk about open ear preaching versus, you know, going one-on-one -on -one with people. You know, all of that is fine. We see that in the scriptures. We see open ear preaching. We see both that and more one-on-one, -on -one, like Yeshua had. Um, he had both. So there's there's different ways of doing this. But if you don't have the love, get the love first. Beg the Father to give you that love and then walk out that love and force yourself to walk it out in action, even if you don't feel like it. So, yeah. All right. Our next question coming in is... PD, how would you evangelize to a person who celebrates pagan holidays like Christmas and Easter when you explain to them the origins and the true meaning of these holidays? The answers I receive are that the old meaning of the holiday do not mean anything to me because God knows my heart. And as long as you keep that in mind, that is all that is important. Or a person will think that you are Jewish. So I guess with the concept of, you know, people who don't feel that they need anymore or they have enough of God or they're lukewarm for that matter. How do you approach evangelizing to people like that? Uh, I think your fruits need to speak much louder than your words. Um, so I think it's something like that. If you're led to talk to the, to the person about a, a topic like that or any, any more controversial topic. Um, first, I want to say first, get the, get, then preach that first to people. It would be not wise you go on the streets, tell people to stop keeping Christmas. Like, no. Um, you, you need to, so it's a good point on what not to do. I, um, I think you need to really, excuse me? Especially this time of year. Start <laughs> 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 to jump yeah. in and be like, well, I, I got some good news for you. But first, uh, you know, you know, all the money you just spent on those Christmas presents? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So, you know, make sure that, 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 that you're in the correct place with that. So, and then also when they are in that place, when they've actually, after they've accepted um, Yeshua and they're already in that place of following God to some degree, whatever that degree is, and you want to start talking about things like that, um, uh, the, the thing is I would tell someone, uh, let, me, let me make an example. Okay, my, my, I just love to use, this is recent, so it's new. Um, in my mind. So my colleague, she, she was not in Torah. Okay. She was not in anything like that, any of the controversial stuff or anything, if I can say that way. And, um, uh, you know, I didn't say a word to her about that. So I, that when that last segment, I mean, last time I was on here, I talked about that testimony in the boardroom where I prayed for her and she got healed. And then I baptized her and she joined our fellowship. I didn't even mention Torah or anything about instruct the false instructions until like she actually came to me is like, why are you doing this? Like, I didn't even mention the really like um, my, most of the commandments. And then after she's seen my fruit, after she's seen the love, the kindness that I do things without that I shouldn't need to do or whatever the case is after that, the person will be like, starting to become curious on why is your life looking the way it is. But if you don't bear the good fruit and you proclaim anything, no one's going to want to listen to it. Um, so first make sure you've got the fruit. If you've got the fruit and you, um, you proclaim this thing to them, like, uh, like Christmas or anything that's been mentioned, um, tell it to them, drop the hint. That's what I do. Like, for example, my colleague was like, oh, I'm, I think she said, oh, she, 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 I think she's watching, but <laughs> um, she, she, I think she said something um, along the lines of, you know, oh, she's so tired or, you know, she's, she's, she's overworked or, or something like that. And I'm just like, so why are you not keeping the Sabbath? Like dropping it like that, you know? <laughs> and this is after I've been walking with her a little bit and after she's been healed or something like that happened. And then she's like, Ooh, you know? And, um, and, uh, then she's like studying it out and she came back with questions and, and now she's keeping it as she's the most exciting thing for her ever to do. So I'm not going to just as before I end off with this, um, don't, if I drop the hint of why you're not keeping the Sabbath, I'm not going to now the next day go, are you keeping it yet? Are you keeping and, and, and start persecuting people because of what of that? we really need to be very gentle and very slow and take your time and let your fruit speak 10 times louder than anything you say. Yeah, I know a lot of people have asked me um, in kind of challenging my walk is, well, how do you incorporate Torah in the way you share the gospel? And the answer is, you know, you know, short of just telling people they need to repent and obey the word of God. I don't, I don't need to dive into all the, the nitty gritty details because the spirit of God will lead them to read the word. Uh -huh. It'll show them what he wants because, you know, I don't, I don't have to do his work, you know, for him. I can just, you know, you share that it's important for our life. You share that the word of God is, is going to be a big blessing and it's going to lead them in, in their walk now that they are a believer. But that's, mm -hmm. that's the starting point. So mm -hmm. with people who are like, well, how do you, you know, how do you incorporate Torah observance in the way you share the gospel? And the answer is, you know, do I really, you know, what is the gospel? The gospel is the kingdom of heaven is now. And that Yeshua's made a way for you to partake in that kingdom. 
And if you want to know about the kingdom, go and do your homework and read your Bible. You know, that's where the answers are. And so the best thing you can get somebody to do is start questioning like, okay, I, I, I know this is real. I've had an experience with the Messiah. Now I want a deeper relationship. And, and that's the best thing is not getting information from Jake, who's fallible, who could say it way, way wrong, you know, but instead saying, go to the word and just start applying it to your life. Because, you know, the word is Yeshua, you know, Yeshua is the word made flesh. And that's how you know and learn about who your Messiah is and how he walked, because that's how a believer should walk is to just live a life that is, that is mirroring who's delivered you from this old man, you know, and then you can learn, you know, who he's about to grow you into through applying it to your life. Um, our next question coming in is from Scotty. And he asks, should we work harder at coming together as a body in Yeshua in person to lay hands on one another and share the gifts of the spirit? Um, sorry. So is the question, should we be, should we be close with someone before we can lay hands on them? Is that so they're asking, should we work harder at bringing uh, gatherings together and groups of believers together so that we can lay hands on each other and pass the gifts of the spirit amongst us, as we can see kind of the apostles did, you know, when they laid the hands on each other and, and the spirit was bestowed on those who didn't receive it yet. Um, and I guess healing and, and all these different things, should we be trying to gather more as a group of believers for this purpose? Mm, yeah, well, I think gathering for that purpose, um, I'm not sure if that's, that would be entirely correct to say. I think, uh, I just think that it should be included in our usual gatherings. It should be part of that thing. I want to also, I think it's a good point in terms of the laying of hands, which I, I agree with. But I want to I want to mention and point out that I was never laid hands on by anyone to to for anything that I've all the gifts that I've walked out I wasn't I didn't go to to a meeting and ask for someone to lay hands on me I know it's happened to me where people have come to me and said you need to lay hands on me so that I can get your anointing or something like that and um, you know I want to submit to you that uh, it's really not necessary I think it is a it, it can ha it, it, I think it is a way for this to happen but I want to submit to you that this this thing will not be the thing that stops you from walking this out if you're seeking it with your heart and you're going out and doing it you don't need me to lay my or anyone to lay hands on you to receive this thing if you don't have the means to so don't feel stopped or feel like I need to get this thing first like I said the moment that I stepped out in faith in my initial my first testimony and I spoke about the other time I was here with you guys I mean, I had just the yearning and, and asking God for this thing. I had no one to, to lay hands. So, and there was, so, you know, don't let that stop you. I think it's good though to, to do that in our fellowships, to pray for each other, to receive it, to, uh, um, and so on. So, yes, I think that's awesome. Yeah, very, very well said. I mean, definitely for sure. We're not going just to get a spiritual experience. You know, that's not... You know, that's not the purpose of not to get the goosebumps and the, you know, the heebie-jeebies of, you know, feeling something. And then, you know, if you're not going to go out and, and, and share it and sh you can get that love and, and, and be a witness and walk it out, then, you know, what is a couple goosebumps going to, going to do? Um, so it's not de definitely not just coming together and gathering for that purpose, which is, I feel like what I see here, at least in the United States is what a lot of people do. You know, they gather just for that purpose and it's, it's really sad um, because they're just going for an experience. They're just going for goosebumps and a few tears 
um, but it's not yeah. changing their life at all. And they leave mm. it there at the altar and they go home and, and they just, they live a faithless life. And it's really, mm. it's really sad. Um, and I know I've been in that position before and I don't want to go back. You know, I don't want to live a life that's one day a week, you know, just because I'm around other believers, I feel some kind of spiritual thing. I want to feel it all the time. You know, I want to feel God's spirit move through me. And, you know, I don't think my hunger for that, it'll ever, you know, go away. You know, I, I was just talking with PD of like, man, I want more, you know, <laughs> I want more. And, uh, and, and that comes through, you know, just doing what people have been talking about guys, just stepping out. Um, our next question is, um, Slightly off topic from Femi, but not really because emotional pain is also a disease. How do we console people who are mourning who don't know the truth without offer offending them? Mm. So, you know, that's the thing. The, 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 the awesome thing about this, like, I mean, that lady in the grocery store, she didn't have a physical illness or anything like that. It was so she actually, I don't know if I mentioned actually, but she had marriage issues. Yeah, I think I did mention it. So, you know, that's an emotional thing. And um, the great thing is, is that in the same way that we minister any kind of healing, it's the same thing for emotional healing, you know, and it's, it's about proclaiming that peace over people and, um, and all that. And I, and I think, sorry, was the question, how do we do it in, in the right manner or minister to emotional pain without offending somebody who doesn't believe? Hmm. So again, it comes down to the heart issue and it comes down to extreme kindness towards them. So uh, like just um, giving them that, that uh, even if they don't believe, even if they don't agree with you or whatever, um, still encouraging them with wisdom because the Holy Sp- we don't, we're not of the wisdom of the world. You know, what, what a counselor, uh, let's say unbelieving counselor will say to someone who's going through something versus what someone who's filled with the Spirit of God is going to tell them the wisdom is that's going to be different. So we don't need to, um, you know, offend them by telling them they need to, they need to, if they just repent, everything will be, well, that's true. Everything will be fine, but don't do it with the wrong intention. We need to first show them the fruit in your life, show them that heart of that. You care for them and you love them. You've got kindness. You speak that you ask father before you speak to them or while speaking to them, Lord, give me your wisdom right now. And, um, then let the Father speak through you. And from that place, that, that word that you speak into their life is going to have um, fruit in their life. It, it will. If it's from the Father, it will have good fruit in their life. And they will be like, whoa, you know, you, you told me this. You didn't have some kind of, don't let them think you've got an agenda. Just give it to them because you love them. And, and uh, then they're like, whoa, there's fruit in this in what you said. Why are you so wise? You know, I always, I've always asked the Father. My prayer has always been, because I'm still a young guy, <laughs> and um, and I, my my prayer has always been, Father, I need you to give me. I want, I want such wisdom that when people look at me, an atheist or an unbeliever, they would truly say, because of the wisdom that's upon my life for my age, that they would say, truly, truly, there has to be a God, because it's not possible for someone, a man, and it's actually regardless of age, to have this wisdom, like the wisdom of Solomon where all the nations came from all across the world to hear this. So, you know, I think if, if that's a good avenue to go to have fruit in their life, get fruit in their life, and then get them more curious to have more of what you have. Our next question comes in from Alec, and he's asking, have you experienced the gift of speaking in tongues through the Spirit? 
like witnessing to somebody in their native language when you don't even speak that language. So maybe on this, you know, topic of speaking in tongues, you know, what are your thoughts on this, PD? <laughs> oh, we just went there. <laughs> um, okay, cool. I think uh, I think I'll share um, kind of what my experience has been. Um, I don't know how much, how much how much time do we have left for this, so I can just gauge how much. Yeah, um, we'll we'll run through the rest of the questions, um, so don't feel okay. too rushed at all. Okay. Um, so, look, I think the topic of speaking in tongues because it's so controversial, it needs a study on its own, just to like get into the scriptures. Because I know a lot of people have different, uh, very much different opinions on that. Um, I will tell you my experience and I'm willing to go through scripture with it. Um, I do have, if someone is curious and right now I do have a videos on my channel that teach on speaking in tongues if they just search it there. But, um, you know, when I, right before, in the way beginning, when I just started seeking the spur and, you know, I just, Lord, I want more. I've got the, I've, I've got a more better concept of truth now on your word, but I want more. What's the spiritual thing? I want to walk in love and all these things. The first gift that I actually got a desire to know more about is speaking in tongues. And um, so what happened is I said, Father, I need to, I want this for like two years or so. You know, there was no one else in the whole Bible movement and around me at that time that um, actually walked in, in that. So I was never in a Pentecostal or a charismatic church at that point. Well, I've, I've never really been a part. So I don't have any kind of, I have no concept of what speaking in tongues is. I only have the scripture. That's all I have. And, you know, I went to the Father with that. And one night I was praying. I'm just in my bedroom, before my bed, praying just like normal. And I was, and this thing of, of it was still on my heart. And I just heard the Father's a whisper, like, a, or just a, you know, whatever you want to call it, a knowing. And the Father was just like, you do have it. Why don't you just speak? And And I was like, Okay. And again, I didn't think about it because if you think it's dangerous, you, you're going to chicken out. And I was just like, while praying, my English just went over to speaking in tongues. Okay. In, my, in, a, in a personal prayer language in my room. Okay. And so about an hour, I prayed straight in that, that language alone in my room. And after that, I was just like, whoa, that I was quite excited, but I was like, what is, what just happened? You know, because I, I didn't even know. I've never, to be honest, I've never really have, have, have heard that or experienced that. And I never seen it even in someone else because I was disconnected from that circle, those circles. So the first thought that came to me was, oh, it was you, you were making stuff up. And it's very much the same kind of thing that the enemy does with healing or any other gift is, oh, the person didn't really get healed. They were just lying to you or whatever. So the first thing is that the enemy comes with that lie of um, it's, uh, it's just you. It's just your flesh. It wasn't the Spirit of God. Okay? So then I was skeptical. I, even though I actually, I mean, I sorted out. I didn't have influence by people, and, I, and it happened to me. I was still skeptical. All right? Um, about a few months later, a few months later, uh, we were at a church and um, ministering, and there was this this uh, this the church I mentioned earlier in the in the show. I, I talked about where we went to preach the gospel and they baptized people. Okay, they didn't know how to baptize, so they asked us to. And so, preach the gospel, preach repentance. Just about the whole church wanted to get baptized, which is like was like crazy amazing, like chill. Sure. Like I think about it was it was a lot of people. I don't remember how many, just too much to count. And um, so the first guy came up. And 
and, and we baptize him. We, and as he hits the water, he manifests a demon, like, like, like a real great manifestation, a big manifestation. And um, I was like, at that point in my walk, I was pretty new to like the whole casting out demons thing. I was pretty like afraid. I didn't know how to deal with this thing. What to say? I prayed for. I was praying. I was like, um, you know, I command to go. Uh, I command. I command the spirit to leave and all that. But this 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 demonic spirit just didn't want to. It just seemed like it didn't want to go. I prayed for about let's say three minutes, and although it was getting, I could see it was terrified. It wasn't necessarily just leaving, right? So I was in that position where I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And what I did next is this was kind of just a spur, just like it just happened. It just came out, and I just started speaking in tongues to, to, this, to this demon. And as I was speaking in tongues, in authority as well, this demon started freaking out as if I'm throwing fire on it. Like that's the only way I could, best way to describe it. Like it was just like um, it, it couldn't handle it. I don't understand why even like – today why exactly like that happened but i know when we speak in tongues we need to understand people need to really understand this what do we hear when we speak in tongues no matter what manifestation of tongues it is it's always the flesh our flesh having a manifestation of what is happening in the spirit so to our flesh it is going to sound weird because even in, in Acts, when it was poured out and the people spoke in tongues what was the thing that the people said are these people drunk Right, they they were like, what what is going on? Okay, so there was their flesh was crying out and saying, oh, this is this this guy's drunk, or these people are just like um, off track, or whatever the case is. They're whatever. So that's our first reaction. And so in that testimony, what happened is next person came up. Okay, well that demon left. Next person came up, hit the water. Same thing happened. Manifested another demon. We had about fifteen to twenty demons manifest in people that night while baptizing me was crazy and every single one of them went like that i just prayed in tongues over them and the demons left because of that so then i decided i realized well obviously there's something more to this gift it's 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 about what um i think the question mentioned where we speak in we can speak in a foreign language to other people but there's much more to it and so the reason i'm saying this is because we need to not uh, we need to identify that way, use it that way. Not so. And, and Paul talks about Corinthians about you know don't uh, if you don't speak in tongues in a in a church and an assembly because if an unbeliever comes in he'll think you're crazy. So now we need to we need to ask a question. Um, if, if if Paul is speaking about a genuine speaking in tongues there, and people will understand what's being said, why would the unbeliever think you're crazy? Of course. So. He doesn't understand what's being said, so he's going to think you're crazy. So then he goes on and he says, "Don't you know that the tongues is also for the for is also a sign for the unbeliever?" Now this is a contradiction, it seems, because he's saying first that don't talk in a, in a, before unbelievers in tongues because they'll think you're crazy. Then he goes on and says, "Don't you know tongues is a sign for the unbeliever?" That doesn't make sense, right? But he's talking about two different manifestations of the same gift. The first manifestation is speaking in a foreign language, like the, um, the question kind of was talking about. Um, the second manifestation is an edifying thing that's for personal edification purpose, purposes, where you would be like, I was in my room alone. No one was watching. No one was there. It was me and God. Personal prayer language between me and God, edifying myself. There are certain other cases like with the, with the demons where I've used it and it has yielded a lot of credible fruit. 
and um, uh, and uh, there's also one case in a closed group of believers, more like, can I say, let's say a, clo- a closer group of believers where everyone knows what's going on and you speak in tongues and there's an interpreter there who can interpret the gift. So that's another thing I, mean, I, I want to bring up is why is there a gift of interpretation if the only manifestation of tongues is when we speak in someone's native language? No, the gift of interpretation is for that manifestation of the gift where we speak in the spiritual language, the personal language that can build up other people and ourselves and the church. I can give you an example. Uh, I've never, I, I have a friend, okay, I've got two testimonies about this. I'll give some light on this, I guess. Um, the first is I have a friend in, um, in, um, in, um, in Nigeria and he uh, went, he, he's, a, he's a from South Africa, so he doesn't speak their language. And um, sorry, he's in Kenya, not Nigeria. Anyway, and he doesn't speak their language. And and uh, he went and he went with a translator as a missionary there. So it's a, and then one day he, he was with someone, but he didn't have a translator with him. So he was he had a really hard time of of preaching or ministering to this person who was in a different language. It came down to he actually gave up and he was just like I don't know what to tell this guy. He's not understanding any word I say, and he just said. Can I just pray for you? Is what he just like. Can I just pray for you? Just that's all he could think of doing. And he just he just prayed for this guy, and and then he switched over. The spirit led, led him to just switch over to praying in tongues in his personal prayer language. As he was praying, his language changed. That's the best way to describe. I've experienced that too when when speak, when casting out demons, your language changes a little bit. You're speaking in tongues language, and so he was pray, he was pre, 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 praying for this guy in English start praying in tongues and then his language changed. He just felt the change. He didn't understand why, but he was just praying in tongues like normal. And when he was done, he said, I mean, this unbeliever was extremely excited. And he was like, and he, he realized this guy understood every single word he was praying in his native language, even though he didn't know what he was praying. Okay. So that's one that does happen today. It's, I think it's not as prevalent as I'd like it to be. Um, but I think it's something that does happen and we should pursue it. Second testimony I want to talk about is more of the personal prayer language. And in a, so I've been praying it for the father. I said, Lord, I want the gift of interpretation because it's not, it's not very prevalent, obviously. Um, and I didn't even, and again, I've, I don't know anyone who has the gift. So it was kind of, I was unguided with it. And but I was like, what I want is I want this, I want this. And one day I was in a, in a, in a, in a small assembly of people close friends kind of thing and someone and one of my friends was was singing okay and she, as she was singing she switched over to singing in tongues okay and as i heard her sing i started understanding what she was saying and in light of my flesh was still hearing the the personal prayer language but i had kind of whispers in my spirit of what she was saying like it was so it was very supernatural and I wrote, I literally had to like stay up with her and write down everything she was saying because she was speaking quite quickly. And afterwards, I, I don't know, I was like, I don't know, maybe this is me, you know, but I'm going to go in faith. And I went in faith up to her and I told her, hey, I think this is from Father. I, and I told her what she said. And this was, she was speaking about herself, something going on in her life at that point. And I was the only one in the room who understood what she was saying. And that was very edifying for her. It connected with her, things that I shouldn't have known. And, um, so there's, there's, that's kind of the two manifestations of the same gift that we have. Um, 
I know there is a lot of, I just want to say this one thing before I end off of this. I, think, I know there's a lot of um, people that would disagree. Probably, I love you, doesn't matter. And I also want to say, um, I want you to go and seek this thing out with the Father and lay down what you've been taught and just, you know, just ask him, Lord, what, what is the truth of this? Paul's writings are hard to understand, as Peter said, not only in terms of the instructions of the Father, but in terms of the spiritual things as well. If we have never walked out any of the spiritual gifts and we try to understand what Paul is talking about in terms of the spiritual gifts, we might very well misinterpret what he's talking about. So practically it's very important. Okay. Um, sorry, one last thing I want to just say. That's just coming to mind. And Sorry, I'll give it over to you now. Um, I always ask the question for people who believe in only um, the the foreign language, that tongues is only for foreign languages, for speaking in a foreign language. That's the only application or manifestation it has. I always ask this question. So let's let's speak practically now. Let's say that you, you let's say God comes to you and he says, all right, you have the gift of tongues. Here it is, boom, you have it, okay? And, uh, and now you're, and you're in front of a, a, a guy who you're ministering to, he can't understand your language, the gift of tongues is needed in that way to now um, speak to this guy in his native language. How are you going to practically do it? Practically, how is that going to be walked out for this guy? Are you just, do you think God is just going to like take over your mouth and control you and suddenly it's just happening? Boom, now you're speaking in Dutch or in some other language. <laughs> Not exactly. You're going to have to, just like praying and healing, you need to take an action. You need to go in faith. So you're going to speak in tongues. You're going to speak in that language on faith. You already have been speaking it. You're going to speak in it. And God is going to do a supernatural work in your language. And he's going to change. He's going to do something to make that guy understand what you're saying. Right. So usually, and this is the usually people who believe in the foreign language that is just for that, they've usually never um, spoken in tongues before in that way nor have, do they know people who have without speaking in tongues in the manner that I've been describing in this, in this format. Okay. So I hope that helps a little bit. I encourage you guys to search the scriptures and taste me <laughs> and ask the follow. <laughs> Thank you, PD. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about, this is a topic guys that I've, I've been um, really studying out and, and yearning for God to, to reveal to me more in my life you know, on this topic. And, uh, and I, I appreciate, you know, PD really going into depth there. That's the kind of little like joking smile I gave him right before he went into this explanation, because I know I, I had been asking him, uh, earlier, but, um, okay. Uh, our next question coming in is, uh, is repentance really just trying to obey the father because we all sin sometimes willingly, even unfortunately to the last breath. So, is repentance just that heart to continue to strive and obey? Right. Uh, that's a good question. You know, we, we, especially when it comes to, let's say, example, for example, a sin like lust or um, an addiction or anything like that, which sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a road and it's a battle to get freedom from. It's, it's not always in a, a day, right? It's a process. And, you know, the thing is, and I always use the word continuous repentance, um, there's two aspects of this. Continuous repentance is that thing of you're continually running after walking more like Yeshua, walking more like Jesus. And that means that every time you fall, you repent and the grace of God comes and picks you up, right? And you become more like him. And 
and then but this is important that you don't use this as a crutch to be like oh you know obviously like license to sin thing we're not talking about that i'm talking about you know really 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 resisting sin i mean i think paul and he well and he the writer of hebrews talks about you have not resisted sin to the point of shedding your own blood you know yeshua shed his blood for us and and just like just like jesus said he said hey if your your hand sins cut it off you know if your eyes sins cut it out and and what he means by that is you need to come to that point that you're really battling this thing so much and with such a strong desire with him in communion with him not alone that that it's and it's an analogy obviously not literally cutting off your hand um and um and uh so to that point of shedding your own blood like he has for you you need to be trying to resist this thing and the th other th side of this is you need over over you need to really start getting more free from this over time you need to really start um there has to be fruit from this thing of repentance and so while we recognize repentance like we're not going to be perfect from day one if I ask for repentance from a certain sin, I can be perfect from day one, and that's okay. But we need to be, um, and we, we shouldn't let that give, get us in a, in a place of guilt where we're separating ourselves from God like in the garden. After they sinned, they hide, hide it away in the bushes. We shouldn't be doing that. Immediately after we sinned, we realize that we need to get our knees, offer forgiveness, come and right in line with the Father, and so we can walk towards that goal of freedom again. Because if you hide, it's a longer road, okay? You don't want God to come and ask, where are you hiding? And then only repent. You want to be repenting before he comes and asks you, why, why are you hiding? And, and so, you know, that's it. And so, you know, repentance is, is that thing. You, it, repentance means turning away from, right? It's, it's like an action. So you can't just say, I repent, I repent, I repent, and I'm not have fruit of it. You need to take actions. I just want to, I, I just have this in my heart. If there's someone struggling with pornography or lust, the reason is you're not getting rid of the things that causes you to stumble. You know, you need to really get rid of, if you're watching um, Game of Thrones and you're struggling with lust, like I want to shake my head and say, why are you still watching that? Because you're setting yourself up for that failure. You're not going to get free. And, and real repentance is doing things like throwing out all things that's going to make you stumble so that you can get free. Okay. It's just an example. Our next question is, can someone be healed if they don't want to be healed? <laughs> All right. So that's a good question. <laughs> um, don't want to be healed. There's two pieces of that. I think there's some people who don't want to be healed um, because, because they're afraid, because you're, uh, you're standing for the message of, of God, right? And, and all that, like an atheist which they have an ideology they want to promote. So if they get healed, then it's going to destroy everything they believe. So you have those people. The other side, you've got people who, um, well, first, before I go there, let me just go to the atheist first, for example. Um, so uh, last time I, I, I told the test when I was here with you guys about this atheist I prayed for, and she was like full-on atheist, and she didn't believe in what I was doing. She did not, she, she had, and I always make, the example she had a minus 100 faith like in what i was doing you know no faith in fact she didn't want it to happen so and even in that case you know my faith um praise god glory to god that it was was enough to um or, or what i stand for actually not my faith who god is was enough to um what to trump 
and uh, destroy all that unbelief in her or whatever and heal her anyway despite of it because that's part of that's part of it like god wants to do kind things to people who even rejected right who don't want it so yes even if someone is in in, in actual hard-hearted unbelief towards it god can still do the miracle if both people are in alignment with and wanting this to happen in terms of believing it um i think it's better but i don't think that look i can actually tell you guys this is a crazy one but i think i've seen more healing in atheists than in believers and and the reason i say that is god really 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 wants that atheist to see his kindness and love and get them in the believers have a bigger responsibility of of um of um walking in righteousness than an atheist is because they're already professing that belief in Messiah and that fruit needs to be evident in their life. A lot of people are sick because of disobedience and rebellion against instructions of order. So if I pray for an atheist and they get healed and they reject, they reject it despite that, which happens a lot, right? It does happen a lot, unfortunately. Um, that healing will usually reverse. That's why Jesus said, um, go and sin no more lest something worse happens to you. So basically, if you don't if you don't turn from your sin, those demons or whatever has been causing it, it's just going to come back worse. So we have the responsibility of proclaiming that they have the responsibility of what they choose, and that's out of our hands. Okay, so we can't do anything with that, but that's God. That's them and God. Um. So, yes. Excuse me. I think I veered off. What is the question again? <laughs> do I answer it? <laughs> that if they don't want to be healed, can they be healed? Right. Yes, definitely. They can be healed if they don't want to be healed. You know, I don't even, a lot of times I don't even ask people's permission. Uh, <laughs> you know, like that grocer, grocery lady, even though it wasn't a physical healing, I was just like, I was more, I was kind of, you know, can I pray for you? But whatever she told me, I was going to pray for her anyway and just speak, just speak and say, well, Father, I just thank you, Lord. I pray you, you know, and so on. So, because no matter what people's flesh want, their spirit wants God, you know, even though, so God wants to do that. I've prayed for, let me, let me just make an example. There was this Muslim guy, a Muslim does not want this to happen. <laughs> okay. He does not want this to happen. And uh, I prayed for this Muslim guy. He did not. Well, I, I, I was kind of like, do you, do you, can I pray for you? And he's like, no, no, no. And he said, he, uh, well, sorry, let me just back up. First, I said, do you have pain in your shoulder? Oh, well, sorry, not asked him. I just asked him, do you have pain? He said, I have pain in my shoulder and so on. So he said, yeah, he's got pain and he's got a shoulder issue. And then I, and then I brought up um, then I brought up Jesus. So and then immediately his heart became hard. And he's like, I don't, you know. And then I'm like, oh, well, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for healing us right now. Amen. Just like that. While he was rejecting it <laughs> and he lifted up his arm and he got healed like right there. And he's just like, you know, and he had no, we had no voice. He had nothing to say. So even while like absolutely rejecting God, God was just like, you know what? I'm going to get you anyway, <laughs> you know, cause he loves him, you know? So what that Muslim does with that again, up to him, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jay Cassius asks, can you, um, can you ask him if he has better results healing people while fasting or does it matter? Well, I think it, it does. It, it is, a, it does, it plays definitely a role. Um, I continue, I, I encourage everyone to, 
to to enter a fasting lifestyle of every single week you 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 fast um how you fast when you fast how long you fast between you and god but you need uh, i really encourage it not just for healing or anything like that just for your relationship with the father it is almost essential if, to grow really like in, intimacy with him and so yes it does play a role but at the same time i've uh i've i've seen that um people who like let's say we take out for the first time who's never seen anything like that they've never they don't even fast and um my one friend gonna refer back to her again who i've been discipling right after she got baptized i don't think she i don't know she didn't tell me but i don't think she's been fasting and um when we went to a hospital right after her baptism to because i want to disciple her into this thing show her this thing and we went to a hospital, which is a huge deal. The hospital is a hard place. And, and I think I mentioned that story last time I was with you guys. And, and um, she prayed for people who are in bed, beds who are there because they're sick. And healing happened in that hospital. And from her hands, first time praying for someone, right? Just after praying the right, in the right manner from a place of authority. She wasn't really fasting. And, and over and over, not only her, over and over and over and over again, I've seen people who've never even fasted in their life before who are brand new believers go out onto the streets, pray for someone, they get healed when they push that fear aside. So while fasting is something that you'll see, I, I think you, you will, yes, you will definitely see more power. We see that um, example in, um, I believe it's in Matthew, I stand on correction, but where, where, where the disciples try and cast out the demon and, and the demon doesn't get casted out, Yeshua comes and he casts out the demon and the disciples ask him, how did you do this? You know, it's in Luke as well. And, and he's like, I tell you that this kind comes only out by prayer and fasting. So Yeshua didn't pray and then go home and fast for the thing to leave. He was in a continuous lifestyle of fasting already. And then he was ready when he faced that demon because the reality of the matter is um, fasting. I mean, we all know, I'm, I'm sure everyone knows what it is. It's about getting our flesh out of the way and suppressing our flesh and, and, and exercising self-control over our flesh and let our spirit um, take more control. So, yes, fasting is important so that our flesh doesn't get in the way when we need to minister to people. Um, yeah. All right. Um, we only have three more questions, and uh, that'll be all for tonight, guys. So thank you, everyone who's graciously sent in these questions um i, I really enjoy hearing pd um answering uh, and I, i'm sure everybody else does um, and uh, this next question is in the torah it talks about not eating the fruit of the land for three years do you think that means we should study for three years before we're ready for this kind of stuff and um just to tap on tag on to that um i know that with the apostle paul before he went out, he went and did a, a, a period of just studying all this stuff out um, mm. as an example that I think kind of goes along with this question. So, you know, you know, what do you have to say about, you know, people who feel they need to prepare f more before they're ready to go and do stuff like this? Mm. Yeah, look, I think it's, I think it's, it's a very, very good question point. Um, you, if, if someone is a brand new believer, they just came to Messiah and they came to the knowledge of the truth, they have no knowledge yet about the scriptures or um, anything. I would, I would tell them to first make sure they know what they're talking about because you can be brand new believer, have no knowledge of the truth, 
still do a miracle because it's about faith, right? So if if a miracle happens, you need to know what to say next. So if you're uh, if you don't know what to say next, you don't have the knowledge of the truth in you yet. Um, it can be a dangerous thing where you may lead someone astray, right? Because especially if there's power that was that happened and you got someone's attention, they're they're open ears. It's a fine line. Um, so I, I would encourage someone to 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 study them out, approved like we have to. Um, but I would also not let that stop you from from day one starting to seek and walk out um, this this kind of lifestyle. Maybe not in the to the degree that you would um, later. Look in terms of, I mean, for example, the word also talks about leading a church. You can't lead a church if you're a new believer, for example, or there's a few things and. So the same way, you know, um, you need to make sure that you study yourself approved for that. And But in your workplace, let's make an example. Let's say you're a new believer, but in your workplace, there's an atheist right next to you and, and you've come to know, you're excited, you're on fire about God and you and God leads you to pray for them for something. Don't, let, don't, don't not pray for them because you feel like you're not ready for, or you don't have the knowledge yet, you know. Um, be careful on, if you, if you know you don't have the knowledge, be careful on what you say. But don't let it stop you from, from doing this, starting this at least in small ways in the beginning and, and then growing into this thing. Obviously, you know, um, the best way is to be discipled by someone. Even if that person is not discipling you into the gifts of the Spirit, if, let them at least disciple you into truth. Okay. So, yes. Uh, did I answer everything in that question? Yeah, I believe so. Um, next question is, is it a wrong thing to allow people into your fellowship who are not brethren and are not pursuing Yahweh like most churches do when they invite anyone in? Should evangelism and church be separate? Right. So it's good. Hey, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's real. I think it's a fine line. Um, if, if the, the, the church experience is being promoted as an, as a, carnal experience, which is happening in a lot of churches, if we're honest with ourselves. Um, uh, you know, it becomes a show and and um, it's really there to please our flesh sometimes. And I'm just talking about certain churches, of course. Um, yes, then I think we're basically, we're, we're inviting the world in because we're giving the world the world. The world is inside the church and that's why the world is attracted to the church. The world shouldn't be attracted to the church. So that's why, yeah, that's what we need to be careful of. On the other hand, Let's say I'm ministering to someone and they, they, you know, they're starting to get very curious about Messiah and they really want to learn about him. They want to, maybe they haven't come to full, full repentance yet. That's, that's not really an issue. If someone is really there for the right reason, um, I don't, I would not discourage them from, discourage you from inviting them to your fellowship. We're actually this week inviting some, someone who, who, who someone in our fellowship has been talking to who's new. And so, you know, I think that is, that's important because in a lot of, I mean, I think there's a lot of people listening who came to repentance in a sermon while listening to a sermon, you know, whether that is in a church or wherever or whatever. So I think uh, it's, it's important as long as we don't compromise for those people. And, and then I think it's fine. Remember just one more thing, just to prove my point. Um, Paul said, you know, with speaking in tongues thing that we talked about, don't speak in tongues for if the unbeliever comes in. So he's saying there's unbelievers coming in at that point. Okay. Good point. All right. Last question of the night. 
Um, Alishiba asked, does the approach to each situation or individual depend on specific principalities that may reside over their particular neighborhood or congregation or even a family bloodline, like curses or soul ties or strongholds? In other words, is healing, deliverance, etc., customizable according to factors regarding spiritual principalities or jurisdictions that might be over that particular person? Mm. Yes, I think um, it's really definitely a a, a factor, um, but I would not I would not I would not worry too much about what principality or what thing I'm up against. In the Honestly, I know a lot of a lot of people get a bit too caught up on it, in my opinion, where they where they focus more on what principality it is and trying to figure that out, and then they kind of miss the point of just loving people into the presence of God and, and, uh, and uh, just addressing it head on. Um, or how can I say it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's important. So for example, let's say um, we're dealing with someone who's, who's got a, a demon or demonic oppression. I usually first start the conversation where if they come with that thing, they know that's an issue. I'm going to start a conversation with Tommy about your life. Tell me about, you know, where you've been, what you come out of. Usually it's about witchcraft or new age or whatever the case is. So we, or maybe it's, um, Freemasonry, you know, so I think identifying that is a good thing um, Just for addressing it more on target, you know being able to address a spirit of witchcraft on target is is a good thing I think it, it, it is a good thing, to, but You know um, Getting too caught up on what de the demons name is or or things like that You know, I'm, I'm not too I'm not too much into that. I've seen I'm sure they have names, but I haven't had issues casting out demons without knowing their names. <laughs> I've actually never really questioned their names. So um, I'm not sure if that's kind of what the question is about, but, but, but I guess it is. You know, it's, so I think if, 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 uh, if there's a principality over an area, keeping that in mind is good. Um, but don't get too caught up on it and think that that's why you don't have good results, um, if that answers the question. Absolutely. And that are that's all the questions for tonight, PD. Um, you did really well. We made through quite a few. Uh, <laughs> this is the most questions I've seen for quite some time. So uh, I'm I'm really glad you could come on and join us. I know it's what probably 5 a.m. Uh, where you are. Uh, Six so, eighteen. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so guys, we got a special treat being able to have PD on. Um, at a convenient time for us here in the Western world. <laughs> so thank you, PD, for coming on and sharing. Um, do you have any information for where people can find your YouTube channel and 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 more, you know, con contact information to get a hold of you if they need to? Right. Um, so for the YouTube, people can just search on YouTube Rise on Fire and um, they, or youtube.com slash rise on fire, one word. Um, the other thing is you can go to our website, riseonfire.com, um, especially if you've got a more a personal question you want to ask me. Um, and you can just contact me on there. And, yeah, and we're also obviously on Facebook as well, Rise on Fire. Search it there. You'll find us there. You can, uh, if you don't know yet, we, I, I do, I'm, a YouTube, I do, I'm YouTube, so I do a lot of YouTube videos as well, um, talking about a lot of these things. So um, you can also go catch us there and so on. So, yeah, that's right. Awesome. 
Well, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in uh, to Now You See TV. Um, we have another show um, tomorrow with David and on Thursday with Liz and Chris Bailey. Um, and, of, co of course, um, John Hall is going to be joining us um, Wednesday and Thursday. And, uh, and also, uh, for news of the Virtual House Church fans out there, um, we've been in talks with Zach Stuharik and Darren, and they're going to be coming on, going through tour portions um, regularly on Fridays. But of course, you know, Rob's Skiba, who, you know, started Virtual House Church, he's still going to be uh, joining occasionally, um, coming on uh, whenever he has the opportunity. He's he's really busy with uh, some of his other, other stuff. So anyways, that's some of the stuff you guys can have to look forward to this week. And uh, without further ado, shalom, everybody. And uh, we're going to do a quick outro here. So uh, thanks once again, PD, for joining us. And uh, we'll, we'll have you on again soon sometime. How's that sound? Yeah, that sounds amazing, Jake. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a blessing. Awesome. Glory to God with all your testimonies. It's just so amazing. And, and you know, guys, these testimonies are things that can happen in your life when you step out in faith. Um, and, and that's why we love bringing PD on because it, it's, it's real. It really is. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and do an outro here. Have a good night, everybody. And uh, shalom. You are watching Now You See TV. Sit back and enjoy the ride.